Anna, a postdoctoral researcher at UNIST, stopped in to share her stories about growing up during times of war, her life as a type 1 diabetic, and her current research on Korean climate. This episode is extremely informative, heart-wrenching, and also has a bit of comic relief. Anna is so well-spoken and articulates everything beautifully. It's a shame we turned off the mics, as a spontaneous 45-minute conversation occurred almost immediately after we stepped out of the recording room. Thank you, Anna, for sharing your stories and knowledge with us. Hope to see you again soon. You are now tuned into This Korean Life with your hosts, Brian and Nate. Well, he has so much physical strength yeah. because it's such a huge dude that he just pulled it out. But the thing is, when they do it like that, it hurts way less later because they don't doesn't make any bruising, it doesn't mm. make any swelling because yeah. the tooth just comes out. And if your tooth, I think the problem with the wisdom teeth, if your teeth are impacted, right? yeah, if they're, yeah, if they're stuck they're, inside, then they got to go in with a shovel and dig it out. <laughs> yeah, uh, my, my, uh, my first two were the problem because they didn't even grow out. They were growing like this. They were mm, growing completely yeah, yeah. sideways. Yeah. And so. It's funny. We call them wisdom teeth. In Korea, they call them love teeth. Yeah. Oh. Sarangi. Uh, yeah. What the hell do we call them? Sarangi. Oh, yeah, we call them wisdom yeah, teeth in Croatia. So. In Croatia, too? Wisdom teeth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, I was trying to remember what was the vocabulary. (laughs) Welcome back to another episode of This Korean Life, number 91, featuring Anna. 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 Damn (laughs) Sorry, I'm sorry. Anna. I'm going to make you correct Anna. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Featuring uh, featuring Anna, and um, I won't even try the last name. Uh, With an undergrad in geophysics, a master's in meteorology and oceanography, and a PhD in atmospheric science. Currently working on a postdoc at uh, UNIST. Introduced to us by the great Boris Priglovich. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to uh, This Korean Life. Thank you for taking time out of your Sunday to come hang out with us. It's wonderful to see you. Thanks for inviting me here. Yeah. I'd like to start with uh, the, a very interesting childhood that uh, that you had growing up in Croatia. Uh, yeah, um, so... During, I, the, during the 90s, during the war. Yeah, uh, so I was born in 89, right on the cusp of mm. the war when Yugoslavia was falling apart. Um, my uh, mom mm. um, and my dad divorced because what happened is he was cheating on her, of course, yeah. as some people do. <laughs> and then uh, when the war started, as the uh, armies were leaving, like when the uh, Serbian army was leaving, he decided to go with them and bomb my city where my mom and uh, me were. Like he decided him and his lover joined the Serbian army in retreating from my hometown. Wow. So I was one and a half year old. Yeah, something like that. Oh, uh, can I stop you for a sec? Um, under Yugoslavia... Like I was you, born you, in Yugoslavia. Okay, yeah. so people identified as Yugoslavian, or were was it uh, fact? There were there was were still people were defi- like um, identifying themselves uh, as uh, Croatian or Serbian or Bosnian. But the fu- the funny thing is, my father is Croatian. He's oh. not even Serbian. <laughs> oh. So. You know. Good lord. My my life started interestingly. <laughs> no doubt. Um yeah, hold well, on. Before Yugoslavia. Yeah. They were separated as well? Yeah, yeah. Okay. The uh, European history of that area is like incredibly complicated because mm. during Ottoman Wars, mm. uh, the 
uh, Turkey came all the way to Croatia, and mm-hmm. so part of Croatia were parts of Turkey. Then you had Serbia as their own country, and then you had it as part of other countries. Then you had Croatia as uh, yeah, okay. its own country for parts of the history, and yeah. then part, uh, partially it was part of it was part of Roman Empire. It was part of. Uh, uh, Hungary, it was part of Austria, it was... I'm not uh, very good at history, but history... But then then unified, but people still... But then uh, at uh, Second World War, yeah, it was... Actually, before Second Mm. World War, it was unified into Yugoslavia, Mm. and then in 1989 it fell. Started. Well, in early 90s it started to crumble. After, actually, it started to crumble right after Tito's death, Mm. because um, he was pretty much holding that together, Mm. because there were a lot of problems Mm. in that country, as it Mm. is. Um, And then, you know. I don't want to go off on too much of a tangent, but... Can you see any similarities between the Russia-Ukraine conflict? Because when you say your dad joined the Serbian army, I think of the Russians and the Ukraine. He didn't really join the army. He just went with them. But I think now, like, all these young Russian men that don't want to fight for Russia, like, some of them just walk into Ukraine and say, hey, capture me. I don't want to fight against you. Mm. And and then I wonder, like, I I think there might be a lot... Uh, similar kind of I don't I don't I, uh, in terms in of the, being independent the, and the, united under one and then yeah because it was, the, it was the completely opposite situation it was mm. Serbia invading Croatia so he uh, they ju- they were just leaving my specific city they were mm. still fighting right. and so mm. he just left with them yeah. um, it's and, part and of then the, they, they came back um, and it's part of my intrigue of, of the current conflict that there's so everybody in Ukraine has friends in Russia or family in Russia. Lots of Russians have businesses, families, whatever in Ukraine. It's so interconnected and to just see them, it's, yeah. it's so sad. Yeah, it's, you know, war, sorry. Bull, um, no regular person wins in war. Right. The only people who win in war are people dealing arms and the politicians who gain something from it. Yeah. No regular person wins in war. We are all just losers. Yep. That's- Absolutely. So take us back to uh, take us back to the uh, I mean your early uh, early childhood growing up. Oh in, yeah, so right after that, um, <clears throat> so the war the war properly started and all, and so my mom and the rest of my family we decided we had the small house at the seaside, and seaside was not being bombed while my hometown was being mm. bombed, and so we decided to escape to the seaside. Mm. And now what happens is a uh, little not even two year old me just started going to toilet all the time and mm. I drink water like crazy and I go to toilet mm. and I go I drink water like crazy and I go to toilet and <laughs> did you I, eat gogi? <laughs> and I start like um, throwing up mm. and feeling overall bad and losing weight mm. and my mom is like what's going like, on we, yeah? we need to get her somewhere and then like you know the only good doctors are in Zagreb, mm. but there are air raids going on, like n- not continuously, but there is a threat of air raids. Mm. And my mom is like, well, my child is sick. My child is pretty much dying. What mm. do I do? Um, she decides like, how well, I have no choice. I need to drive to Zagreb wow. three and a half hours under the constant threat of air raid. And so wow. we get to Zagreb. I have no memory of this. What mm. I do have a memory of is uh, right before that, like a month or two before that, uh, that's my earliest childhood mm. memory, uh, in the basement, um, 
we had a grenade go right into the apartment over the basement and explode there. And I caught a flu uh, and I was in the basement and I remember there was a really dark green mattress there in the mm. basement where I was lying and I was sick. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, there were air, air raids and stuff like That's that wild. going on. Um, and so to go back to, and mm. so we get to Zagreb and um, we, my mom gets me to hospital and the hospital first thing that they want to do is put the baby on the IV fluids, mm. right? But they wanted to put me on the regular glucose as well. And my mm. mom was like, no, please check her blood sugar first. Because my mom actually went to, she wanted to be a sanitary inspector. So she went to, uh, it's not, it's like a college for okay. a sanitary inspector. So she had a lot of medical background knowledge and yeah. she was suspecting that it could possibly be diabetes. Yeah. And though no one in my family has diabetes. Yeah. Um, and That's the, <laughs> the motherly instinct, man. Yeah. yeah. My my mom is the mo- one of the most amazing people I have met. No doubt. Life. So she's just like... Shout out to Anna's mom. My, yeah. my, my mom <laughs> is the best. Yeah, no doubt. Um, so... And then she makes them um, measure my blood sugar. And, you know, my blood sugar was in like 50s millimoles. That's like around 1,000 milligrams. Mm. Per, uh, do, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, normal is around 100. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And so they automatically, because in that young child, uh, it can't be anything else. They diagnosed me with type 1. How old one. were you? Uh, that was, I think, two or three weeks before my... Three weeks before my uh, second birthday. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. So, end of October 1991. Mm. So, yeah. So and then I spent, uh, mm. I spent almost a month in a hospital at that point. Um, when they filed the figure out. Uh, if I remember correctly, my mom also got the flu in that period of time. Mm. So, she couldn't even visit me. So, I spent a lot of time. Yeah. So... That's uh yeah that's crazy man and uh, especially in times of war that sounds like a, like a Hollywood movie yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. we're I driving in from yeah. the seaside like uh like I could see like Will Smith driving the car yeah avoiding avoiding bombs <laughs> yeah. that is a movie do, I can't remember do, again back to the children the Ukraine Russian one do you do you if you follow any of that do you say like uh, I have a friend who is a Belarusian hmm. and uh, she has family in Ukraine. And I also, while I was learning Korean, I made a friend from Ukraine, so I do talk to them occasionally about it. But I mean, like, even on the regular news, they show incredible stories of kids enduring and making it through crazy hardships. I mean, do you go, wow, that I had a crazy story like that. Can you, uh, do you relate more, to some of that? I, I can relate to it, but to me, it's more like, I feel sad that I was not the last person to go through it. Yeah. It, mm. it, it makes me incredibly frustrated every time I see anything in war. It was the same when the war in Syria was going on. It was the same when they showed the conflicts uh, from uh, different African countries mm. because there's still a lot of conflict yeah. going there down there. And it's always like... Aren't we over this? Like, haven't we gone yeah. through enough of this bullshit? Haven't we learned <laughs> yeah. that no this doubt. is not helpful in the long mm. term? That there are no winners in this? Haven't we mm. learned anything? Yeah. It's it's not like, oh, I went through it as well. It's more like, I am 
angry that still that that is still, still happening that there. everyone still needs to go through it because it's just you know kids in the end are the ones who suffer the most mm. and not because of the I'll get into it a little bit more mm. later but it's not because of the war itself you go through the war you do get traumas from the war mm. you do get uh, I still when they few weeks in Gu- uh, ago in Guyong, uh, they were, I don't know what happened, but that stupid siren, uh, uh, the emergency 15th. siren. On the 15th. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what was yeah, going on, uh, but uh, it kept uh, going on. And it freaks me out yeah. because sirens mean, air raids means escaping to the basement. Yeah. Low-flying planes, I still flinch when I hear a low-flying plane because yeah. I'm like, Whoa. What, yeah. what, what, what's going on? Yeah. And I didn't even realize that I'm doing it until a few years ago when yeah. I was like, oh, oh like yeah. like these things still... That happens in units like every week though. <laughs> uh, that, not, not that kind of, okay. not, not, uh, not uh, the, the to... low, low playing planes, uh, I have, they have to, it has to be a specific no, situation. Like the, like the alarms, oh, they oh, oh, the, the fire alarm. alarms, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, those kind of alarms don't scare me. Oh, that, that it's doesn't a bother me. For the longest time, they used to be the 15th every month. And now, it, I, I want to say now it's once or twice a year. It used to be every month mm. when when we came. And Traffic everything stops. stops. All the stoplights are red, the whole city, uh, all over. In Seoul, like, okay, in yeah. Seoul you're, supposed to, you're supposed to stop your car wherever you are, get out, and go down into the subway. Mm. Now, nobody, I, I've been in Seoul for some of them. Nobody does that. You just stop your car now or whatever. And they have, like, the grandma-grandpa volunteering to make sure nobody's driving. Um, but you can't do anything. And I remember being late for... Doctor's appointments and all kinds of stuff. And then you get there and they're like, how come you're late? Like, we traffic was just stopped. <laughs> Why? You guys know this. I, I didn't even know, but you guys remember it because you've been here a long time. Why do you schedule appointments around that time without the, it's like 15 minutes or something that you just can't move. So mm. wherever you're going, you're going to be late for mm. something. But I remember those sirens going off the first times when I first moved to Korea. And uh, thinking, the, holy shit, North Korea is coming. Oh, the the, the reason why the, the last one uh, freaked me out, like, they don't freak me out if I know they're coming. They don't freak me out if it's just one siren and there is absolutely nothing. Yeah. I, I get, like, uh, at the beginning, but then I'm like, oh, okay, they're just testing. No, yeah. they, they were doing that in Busan a lot as well. Yeah. But then when you get what happened last week in uh, Guang, they were going on for a good 20 minutes all oh. the time. They were like, it would go? And then it would stop. And then, like, three minutes later, it would go again. And this is what scares me. Because I'm like, something is going on. Even though objectively know that if something was was actually going on, there would be emergency messages. But there's nothing. And it's just like, there's like, until it stopped going, I couldn't stop dancing. Another one, even without experiencing war. uh, I remember first moving here, you probably had the same one. Garbage trucks? No, mm-hmm. when you when you live around the apartment complexes, oh. it would have been a big soccer game at the stadium mm. and the fireworks after. But if you don't know there's a big soccer game going on and it's just ten o'clock at night and you're not expecting anything, you just hear, and you, holy shit! And your first instinct is North, just. Being aware of North Korea's first instinct is, holy shit, it's North Korea. What the hell is going on? (laughs) And and then you learn that that's the echo ricocheting off all the buildings, but it it sounds like Um, the war starting. The the first time this usually... Because um, 
I think that the guns themselves uh, freak me out way less because I was never in a, like, my city was bombed, but there was no actual armed fighting in the city. Okay. So I was never in the, like, I never actually, at least I don't remember ever actually hearing gunfire. Okay. So the gunfire itself doesn't freak me out that much. Um, the... However, on that note, uh, usually I'm like, oh, there's probably fireworks. And usually I'm going to go out and see if I yeah. see fireworks. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but one time we were in uh, Heunde. And uh, you know how those buildings in Heunde are? Like when you're in one of those, uh, n- not the main street, but the streets that are uh-huh. ne- the small the streets. Ne- is, uh... You can't see anything because yeah. it's tall buildings. There were some fireworks going on that you couldn't see because they were relatively low and they were echoing of mm. all of the buildings. Oh. I was just like, nope, I'm out of here. I went <laughs> yeah. to the main street where there was like, I, I literally oh, no. I was like, I know it's fireworks, <laughs> but I can't deal with yeah, this. Yeah. It's like, it's just like, yeah. How is, uh, how is the day-to-day life as a child in a country at war? Do, I, how does it affect your education? Like is school regularly uh, so, scheduled or... Croatia has a little bit different education system. Anything until the age seven is optional, and most people actually mm. don't do it. Okay, okay. Like uh, kindergarten stuff like that. If you have grandparents who can take care of the child, you don't send your mm. children to gra- to uh, kindergarten. Uh, kindergarten. Um, but so, hold, on, but hold on a sec. Doesn't doesn't your career isn't it all based on the on the kindergarten that you go to here? <laughs> yeah. We got a yeah. postdoc. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a postdoc grew up in a war. Skipped, skipped half or is that present also yeah, yeah. i mean uh, nowadays there's more children in kindergartens <clears throat> because there's uh, more nuclear families so each uh, where both family both parents yeah. are working and so you don't have um but the grandparents are working uh, well if if it's a family <laughs> okay, where yeah, they yeah. live with grandparents okay. and grandparents okay, yeah. can take uh, care of the children mm. then uh, that is still the right. case uh, because of money honestly mm. but uh, when the, nowadays and also um, work hours nowadays are, are way different than they were when I was mm. uh, young so uh, so when you I mean when you were eight and you started oh, grade uh, one so what? During the war, mm. uh, war was uh, until 95, from yeah. 91 to 95. Um, my um, oh, so grandma's... You would have been, been six. Four years? Yeah. You would have been um, six. My grandma's um, sister had a house in a small village some hour out of Karolac, my hometown. Mm. And so we just... Um, my mom just sent me most... Like, we spent a lot of time there. Because yeah. it was like, this is a place where even the, when the Karolac is being bombed, mm. uh, this place is not going to get bombed because there's nothing there. There's nothing there. It's like a small village. It's not of any interest to anyone. And so we were just like... So uh, I do have like a lot of memories so being outside, playing with friends, because, okay. but one of my other strongest memories from the childhood was the day where we were at that house and um, my mom came and they just said like, it's done, war is over. No, I just and, wrote that down. And <laughs> I, I remember we just, I just went outside, like we kids and adults, all of us just went outside and we were 
standing in this like the sky was so blue that day mm. and there was a bunch of like those like fluffy white clouds mm. and we were the creation planes were doing like victory rounds mm. uh so um there was a lot of like those planes and i just i, I just remembered this i i could draw you a picture of this wow nice nice so wow what a memory uh, yeah, what a so memory, man. It's a, it, it's a joke. Like, mm-hmm. uh, that's why I went into meteorology, you know, <laughs> watching clouds, heading clouds, stuff like that. No doubt. But, that's just uh, a... Yeah, but I, I, I started the school uh, in uh, 96, so yeah. it okay, was actually so, yeah. after war. It didn't affect yeah, you at all, yeah? No, not, not, not in I mean, the, the direct way. I still recovering, right? So there must be some effect, but uh, maybe not. It was more a psychological effect mm. that was on... Uh, that had on the children Mm. um my generation uh i heard this from a lot of friends there was a lot of abuse mostly from children to children and i heard about this from other cities other schools mostly from my generation one year older one year younger not much there's a phenomenon that went across yeah. uh, i heard it yeah. i heard it from several schools there was a lot of this kind of things yeah. so i think that was i honestly think that was a consequence of children just like everyone just being so stressed everyone being so frustrated Tense, no one yeah. knowing how to deal with anything yeah. and then you become a uh, then you go to puberty and your hormones start and yeah. you don't know how to control yourself yeah. because yeah. You know, yeah. your psyche is yeah. messed up. Absolutely. So, man, that's yeah. uh, and there's no, I, I think back then too, that was, I mean, nowadays it's, uh, that was people, pe- nowadays people are this talking, was not, no, no, nowadays this was, like, well, people are talking about mental health and, you know, how to, how to properly deal with your, with right. your problems and whatnot. And at that time it wasn't, no, it was pretty no, taboo to, to bring up. As looking back now, and, and is that a widely acknowledged, no uh, phenomena. No. No, no. I think I don't think actually a lot of people even talk about it. I think most of people just repress the memories at that time. And like, you know, some of my friends uh, went through something similar. Mm. Most of them didn't. So I think it was not like every school, but I heard it enough mm. from enough mm. people that I know that it was happening. It was a thing. Yeah. yeah. So my- and I think it was mostly that when if in some schools, when you had teachers who would stop it at the beginning, it would never go further. Yeah, yeah. But when you had people who didn't want to do anything about yeah. it, even though they knew that it was going on, then, yeah. you know, like... And that's, I mean, that's the the important role of the teacher, too, right? I was going to say, you must lose a lot of faith in the teacher and, and trust in the teacher if they're... I, I, it was almost all teachers. Like, they, they, a lot of teachers were seeing it going on, like, mm. this way or that way, and they were like... You know, they didn't really care. Yeah. And it was more, it was still that mentality that if someone is being targeted, if someone is being, being bullied, it's their own fault. Oof. So, you know, like I fought with a guy from class because um, eh, it was a, bit, a little bit weird child. Um, but I was, uh, I was a very studious child. And in that point in time, that was not very like 
you would get bullied for being good at school. You wouldn't get bullied no, for yeah, being yeah. bad at school. You would get mm. bullied for being good at school or you would, and I liked my teachers way more than I liked uh, some teachers way more than mm. I liked my classmates and I always wanted praise from teachers mm. and that, like a lot of my classmates were like re- rebellious guys mm. and they didn't want to do that. Of course. Uh, and so uh, I would uh, fight with them and uh, like I would get like... Uh, Oh, well, I got punched, uh, I got, like, you know, pushed around, yeah. I got uh, hit with, like, it was nothing that would, like, leave physical damage, but when you go through that for a long time, it does leave a lot yeah, of... The, uh, the culmination over years is, right. is trauma, um, trauma. And then, like, at one point, because it was, it kept going on, uh, I don't remember what it was, we went, call, we, call, we got called into the print, uh, not principal, so... Yeah, free principal's mm. office with our parents. And it ended up with, like, my mom tried, but it ended up with them just yelling at me that if I didn't provoke him, nothing would be happening oh, and that God. I need yeah. to stop oh, and no. stuff like that. And, oh. you know, changing schools might have solved the problem, might have made it worse. So it was just yeah. like... That's like here now they talk about if you change schools here, they think you're a problem child. Why are you changing schools? You must have done something wrong at the other school. Mm-hmm. But right. when I grew up, it was it was similar in respect to the smart people being more bullied, and yeah. it was more nerd. It was better. It, <laughs> yeah, was, yeah, yeah. it was better to be a sports guy, <laughs> a prep, a, a cool person. Oh. Then, if you were the genius, I mean, you got picked on. That was yeah. and that was Steve Urkel on TV. Yeah, and and the the kind of nerdy <laughs> geeky guys, but right. they were you know they were geniuses, but nobody cared about that. And yeah. I'd still tell Koreans. You you go for help in Canada if you're below the average. Right. The average and the the upper you know <laughs> academic students don't go for help. They it's the exact opposite they, here. Yeah, <laughs> like, here everybody goes and gets help, and they all just get a little bit better. Yeah. But at home, it's just. But yeah, if you were the smartest kid in class, you probably got laughed at for not having fun, not playing sports, not enjoying your life, right. and and not partying. And and it sounds you know like my my. My generation, like, there was a lot of drinking and doing drugs and having sex at age 13, 14. Mm -hmm. I was not doing it because it was just like, um... But, you know, like, a lot of these kids had a really fucked up uh, home life. Mm. Um, I didn't. My 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 mom, as I said, she's she's amazing. Um, And, you know... You you mean the home life for these guys, is that because the dads are gone to war i i don't know uh, it was i think it was more with people being traumatized by war yeah, itself right. than it was with like there was something by parents being gone but you know when there is a war there is a lot of preaching of hate and there is a lot of preaching of hate towards uh everyone and so the more the when your parents teach you hate and when they don't really pay attention to you enough you can't really be a functional adult hmm. like you can't be functional teenager especially teenager what's like, right from wrong right the right. boundaries and the guidelines right, right exactly and so it's just like eh. I can't, at, at 13 14 like you say 15 puberty and the hormones and um, that's a crazy time to not have right. structure and rules and limits yeah. in your life right I, you, I went and then went to high school because in croatia you, ha- you have eight grades of elementary school and then you have four grades of high school we just divide it into two even though at grade five there is a huge switch in the way that the classes are uh, conducted so there is basically elementary middle and high but we, we just call it uh, elementary and high 
Um, and uh, the thing is, uh, first eight grades, the elementary school, you don't choose the school you go to. Yeah. You just get assigned to the one uh, based Closest. on your residence, right? Uh, but then for 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 the uh, grade later, you choose your school, and you need to have good grades to get into the. Good we school. have so-called gymnasiums, which are like the high-level high schools, which are not. They are not like trade schools. You can't do anything with that if you don't want to go to college. This is like you go to school. This school, yeah. if you know you're gonna go to university. Okay, it'd be like uh, like an AB program or something. Uh, in, I, I in, don't know. In college. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. yeah. So you don't like you only go to this type of school, and so I also chose to go to the uh, math oriented mm. one um, in my hometown, and uh, this um, this oh, <laughs> uh, this um, this uh, high school, um, you know, you go from the class being randomly assigned students to a class. Of uh, my class was uh, tw- only twenty people because it was a kind of it was known to be hard high yeah. school. But I I, I like math, I like physics, so mm. I was like you know what I want to do this because small this class is great too. Yeah, mm. so uh, it was uh, originally it's thirty students in mm. class, but my class just didn't fill up, uh, mm. so it was only twenty one nice. yeah. students, and uh, the first day. Uh, uh, one of the guys in my class was a guy who was in my elementary school as well. And uh, he tried to start bullying me. And uh, the other guy, um, new new guy, just grabbed his neck, like pushed him on the table. And he was like, we don't do this in this yeah, class. Nice, nice, and it nice. never happened again. And it set the atmosphere for the whole four years. Like There was some kind of like bullying but you won't call even that bullying it's more kids being assholes to each other you know like uh, social posturing right it was more like uh, people would tease you about something or they would pick but they would pick a new victim every few months and they would just like and it was only few people doing Mm. it and everyone else was just chill with everyone we got along pretty well and it was just like it was complete like hundred, like hundred. One eighty, yeah. yeah, complete one eighty. Because it was just like, oh, this is not normal. That kind yeah. of behavior was not normal. Yeah. This was not supposed to be happening. Yeah, I, I have a question. Going back a little bit. Yeah, sorry. <clears throat> Do we? <laughs> I talk. Are, are there are there any programs implemented by the government or the social welfare system to address these? traumatizations from the past if if this no, abuse was widespread or do you mean post-war or currently yeah no no now for now that mental awareness uh, and mental health is such a big thing do they like the, the I, I think is, the government uh, would look and say hey your generation has probably some ptsd or some kind of effects from the war uh, would no. you like counseling would you like this would oh you like uh, that? this is the thing um creation healthcare system is pretty much free at the point of care mm. like uh, it's insanely high uh, taxes but uh, and it's uh, extremely slow but it's free at the point of care so <laughs> now Canada, Canada. <laughs> so now yeah I think it's actually a very 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 similar system mm. uh, but now if you want to get a psychologist you just go and get a psychologist mm. it's covered by insurance you like it is there is a wait line but it's not hard to get to a mm. psychiatrist or a psychologist okay. there is no government there's still a lot of posturing and not acknowledging the mental health issues yeah. back home <clears throat> it's 
No, my my generation didn't really get any kind of. Yeah, like, the first uh, step would be to acknowledge that this thing exists in their country, right? But even but even to I mean the war is none. I mean that's that's ha- that happened. But to I think now if I would like to think like in America or Canada now with how much it's progressed on mental health, they would say, hey, we've identified these ten years of people as potential, you know, mental effects of the you war. You would like to think we, that, but... We, we would like, to, yeah, or we wonder if you'd like to have order. a psychological evaluation just to see if there's any way the government can support or help you or psycho- psychological uh, visits or counseling Our politicians help. are a little bit more concerned about how much money they can put yeah, in their own pockets yeah. than uh, helping. Like, it might know. exist within the society of the psychological professionals that there is this thing, but I don't think they would uh, recognize it like there yeah, is, There is also right? a lot of Mm, problem where it's like everyone went through it so it's normal so we don't need to address yeah. it. Yeah. It, it it happens off like i heard about cases it happening where you go to a psychologist who is around the same age and you try to talk to them and they're just like well everyone went through it. <laughs> yeah so you, you, you need <laughs> and I, I, I was here too yeah. but you think you're special <laughs> so this is, but this is what i wonder like in, in i think of syria and afghanistan and and the cold Preaching war and require but <laughs> all these and when these guys come to canada when they immigrate to canada i'm sure it's one of the first things they do is set them up with a uh, support network right? and yeah. transition and, and uh, uh, Croatia does that for, Croatia does that for immigrants to some oh. extent but mm-hmm. uh, you know like this was this was a war that happened mm-hmm. 30 years ago and it, there is basically assumption that like everyone's over it yeah it's fine but that isn't that isn't that interesting like I, I assume when these Ukrainian people come to Canada now that it's part of the baseline assessment is have you been affected have you been traumatized because if you have, we don't want you going off the rails here. We want mm. to support you and yeah. make you a contributing member of society. Yeah. Um, so I just wondered, yeah, that's an interesting yeah. point. Everyone's done it, so I was yeah. go yeah. see a psychologist. You know, you know, like because when Ukrainian people come to Canada, they're coming from a country which went through war right. to a country that didn't. Right. And the country that's aware that this is a huge problem. When you have yeah. a whole region that has been in a war, because uh, honestly, there was a lot of things in Croatia that happened uh, and that were done both by Croatian side and by Serbian side that are war crimes and that are just... When you hear about these things, you can't believe how cruel humans mm-hmm. can be. Um but then you also have Bosnia, and Bosnia, and what happened in Bosnia was... They were stuck in the middle, right? No. Bosnia had its own problems because mm. Bosnia is made up out of three nationalities mm. there and uh, three different religions. Yeah. And oh, uh, when they started warring, it was war within a war, mm. and uh, they... There was just so yeah. much, so much human cruelty that you just... Um, I know a little bit of it, but the extent of it, when you hear from people who went through it, when you watch documentaries on it, it's just, you lose faith in humanity, honestly, because you can't believe that the human beings can be that cruel. Yeah. And the other thing, too, like before the war starts, most adults, most of the adults that are fighting in it, like you have hopes and dreams and wishes and you, you have like expectations of... Of how, like, you know, even looking at modern day, like it's it's February 2023, you have a good idea what's going to happen in March, in April, 
we got a trip booked for the summer like when a war swoops in and f's all that up like that that has a, a huge effect uh, on you man. like th- there was you a know? lot of like uh mm-hmm. you know like here and there and like uh arguing and this and i asked actually asked my mom mm-hmm. recently because i was curious like hey uh, like did you know the war is gonna start like did, did, and she was like i knew that things were going on but i until the day the war started yeah. i did not believe that we were actually going to go to a war yeah. i don't think anybody would they told us in putin's building up building up building up like it was obvious in hindsight uh, it was obvious uh, this is the thing i talked to some people in ukraine and they were like no we were just waiting for it to start they knew that it's gonna happen yeah. sooner mm-hmm. or later i think with my mom's case it was like she just didn't think she, she, she thought that the, in the political way they're got through 30 say, years of life and in, in watching right politics right and, uh, they, they, she thought that it's gonna be a lot of like political fighting over some small areas of the country she did not think that they will invade yeah. and there is a lot of uh, questioning who did what and what was agreed upon and who yeah. dealt what arms to mm. whom yeah, yeah. and uh, you know like it, in every war it's such a messy situation and what you see on the surface is not what like right, yeah. the people who are actually benefiting yeah. from it are actually doing what, so. what is it like present day uh, in the education system do they I, I, th- I just think of the well two things my experience studying European history in, in high school, which is like history 101, European history, yeah. um, which is like a, a boring, dry, you know, recap of, of what happened. Um, and probably World War II, you might study some World War One, But when I think of Korea and Japan and the blame game that still goes on, that Japan says, no, no, this happened. We didn't rape your women. We didn't do this. We didn't do that. And Korea says, no, you did do this. And they're still looking for... Uh, oh yeah, that's still going on. They're, they're still looking for yeah corrections and uh, I mean money the the comfort women. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. there's only like five or six left. Yeah, the and first. and they're still arguing, debating, looking for concessions, this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what that was fifty five. So I mean that's we're looking we're looking seventy years after. What is it like these days? And is the, the oh, there's teaching, still a lot of the the textbooks that like this stuff in Korea Japan is fascinating to me that you know Japan teaches this textbook and and then when I look back at American uh, textbooks you go oh the problem with Japan is that uh, unlike Germany Japan never actually admitted how bad they were during the Second World War and I think this is the the largest point of contempt is like most of the countries. Um, because they didn't actually go to trial, they didn't, uh, mm. there, there was not mm. a lot of that. And so you don't really have like teaching proper versions mm. of what happened. Because I, I, I was actually like completely disinterested in history when I was young, um, especially because I have actually a really bad memory. Like I'm good at connecting things one to another, but uh, my attention span is attention span of a goldfish. <laughs> and I, my memory is also a memory of a goldfish. <laughs> I just... Um, so... But recently I started like looking into history a little bit more. I think for me a lot of things like that happens that helps sorry, uh, is uh, there is a lot of YouTube videos nowadays and I'm uh, um, I 
focus much better to audio than to mm-hmm. just like I like reading, but uh, way more things stay in my brain when I listen to them yeah. than when I read. Even though I yeah. love reading, oh, yeah. I love yeah. reading books, I love books. So, so anyway, is the uh, is the education up to the subjective opinion of the teacher? No, no, no. So there, is everybody getting something different? Or? There are textbooks and, you know, like, I haven't checked what the new textbooks were when we were learning about it because uh, when I was in high school, that was already almost 10 years after right. the war. Yeah. Um, and so we did learn about the war in uh, history. And I had an awesome history teacher who um, was... Uh, just saying, like, you know, guys, this is recent history, and recent history is never objective, and, uh, you know, sometimes people would get in, in arguments in class, because this person would believe this, and this person would believe this, and... But my mom said this, my dad said that. Yeah, but I can't imagine, like, like the, people the, the, your the teacher, age would be teachers, right? I mean, they'd be teaching this I, stuff, yeah, and, and yeah. I, I you might no say, I have this them. memory. I, I lived, I have this memory. Yeah. I don't right. care what this textbook says. I, I mean, yeah. That's not what happened. your family has suffered sure. a major yeah. loss, and if the book says that your uh, family you is know, the like, creation, one who's uh, cre- Creation textbooks are mostly put it in a way that uh, Serbia is an aggressor, yeah. and they, um, like, I don't know how... What bothers me is the um, insistence of a lot of... Croatian people that Croatian armies did nothing wrong because they did because there were things that some of the generals did then that some of parts of our army and some of our soldiers did that are just awful and wrong and it was a lot of it from the other side too I think it's just a problem that when you're affected by something, it's very hard to look at objectively at it and say, like, it's everyone's fault. Yeah, well, yeah. it's well, not equally everyone's mm, fault, but right. no one... It's in war. The whole, Nobody's innocent. No, mm. one, no one's innocent, but then also, like, you don't need to go rape children. Right. So, mm. yeah. you know. And that, but that, that's, that's the whole thing we always argue with the Koreans about Vietnam. That the oh, Koreans they, will always say, you know, we want we want concessions from the Japanese. They committed more. some of the same atrocities the Japanese yep. did here in Vietnam, but they they demand Japan, you know, all these but, all uh, these things, but they, they, they forget and nobody wants to realize or acknowledge that they did very similar things in Vietnam. I think Korea did, however, give some reparations to Vietnam, if, if I remember correctly. I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm really not. Yeah. My my knowledge of Asian history is way too small. I I do need to. But it, it's that. very downplayed compared to what they're. Of course, looking you're in for. the. You're in yeah. the belly of the beast, man. You yeah, gotta... yeah, but this, this, this is what like when you talk to a lot of Croatian people, you will get the same thing. Yeah. Serbian did this, Serbia did this, Serbia did this. But when you point out like, well, this general, Croatian general, like mm. this, they also did this. Mm. No, they're a national hero. They saved our country. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, like I, that's every they, every country. Yeah. right. I, I think mm. it's just in human nature yep. to be so defensive about something that you went. Yeah. and yeah. power of the power of the situation too i just finished the yeah. uh, man's search for meaning there the victor franco so right? oh it's so. the second time going through it and it uh a, a lot of the soldiers or a lot of the guards in auschwitz were just kind of regular dudes yeah. who were just yeah. just in this really shitty yeah. situation you know? we, we, not to we all, dismiss their behavior but uh, we all want to believe that if we were in this situation we wouldn't let of it course. happen yeah. but in the reality like 
you know, when you look at the Nazi Germany mm. uh, after the World War One. Those were normal people. Most of those people who started, uh, who joined the Nazi party were everyday people who just wanted change. Change, And I can see a lot of it happening in the world right now as well, where you have these leaders uh, who are pushing uh, this kind of like discriminatory, Mm. stupid agenda. But people are in a bad situation economically. They don't see their life going anywhere good. And they need someone to blame. And, you know, I caught myself doing same thing at times. And then I'm like, no, 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 no. Stop yourself. This is not how things are. You can't do this. You know how, you know where this is going. You know where this is going. And it's just, it's just human, human nature. And you know, like, you need to have a little bit, we all need to have a little bit more understanding for each other. I think it would go no way. Back to, sorry, back to the textbooks too. Currently, the situation in this area of the world, the the countries are broken up into like eight different countries now. Yeah. Right? It was Yugoslavia now, and then, no, then it was Bosnia yeah. and uh, yeah. Croatia. It's, uh, Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia, Montenegro, Serbia, uh, Kosovo, Macedonia. Man, what kind of textbook? You know, whose whose textbook uh, says what in there? That's got to be an yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never yeah. actually looked in. I never yeah. actually thought about it, but yeah, that's that's, uh, that's got to be. Oh man, what, oh, I don't know. How is it perceived now? Like, do regular people relate more to their own nationality? Or do they uh, identify as like Yugoslavian? Oh, regular people are uh, they're mostly mostly in, uh, their own. Like there are some people uh, who have nostalgia for Yugoslavia times, but I think it's more because for a lot of regular people that period seemed economically stable. Yeah. Because unlike Soviet Union, where you had like a lot of hunger even during the period, you didn't really have that in Mm. Yugoslavia. Yugoslavia had its own problems economy wise and everything, but it was nowhere near as bad. uh, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Like Indians, Pakistanis, Bangladeshi. We like the same food. We enjoy the same content. Yeah. And so when but we are outside, different. it's like, yeah, it's like oh, fighting oh, with your I, own uh, people. Right, right. But yeah. it's the same. Like if I met uh, someone from Serbia, it's like, oh, you're my neighbor. Yeah. You're like, oh, Balkans. We are, uh, we're all yeah, Balkanians. Yeah. Yeah. Most people uh, nowadays don't like... You have these factions, like you have in any country where, which are divided and there is a lot of political mm. posturing and fight. But I don't know, regular person, I don't think thinks about it that much anymore. Like yeah. I, at least people around me, it's, it's very hard for me to do the generalizations because um, I spent my time around the specific circle of people who are in general very tolerant people, who are in general very smart people, <laughs> and who, like, all of, almost all of my friends have either master's degrees in Croatia or are people who just in general are intelligent and Mm. when you talk to the or and artistic and we are also a lot of my friends are from uh i used to be a goth kid in Mm. uh, high school and the first few years of um university and most friends are from that area and you know alternative groups do tend to be 
a little bit more tolerant in general and a little bit more open-minded and so this was also part of what you know shaped the way that I mm. see the world and I think also because my mom is quite a tolerant person and mm. she she had some um, views that were not very modern and then we talked about it and then she's like, oh my God, this was so stupid of me. Mm. Like, I, like you're right. And, you know, she, there are a lot of parents that are not willing to discuss things with their yeah. kids. And no, that's not me and my mom. We'll spend four hours on the phone discussing yeah. it. But I think that's pretty like that. typical in general, isn't it? I mean, I think back to when we were in Thailand there and met uh, the French boys and... And I forget when the referendum was in, in Canada for the Quebecs to separate. 94, 95. Uh, around there. Mm. Um, but when you meet people from Quebec outside, they are the person who's, you know, more tolerant, more accepting. Yeah. That's why they're out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the separatists never left Quebec City. Yeah, I mean, they never, and so so unless you go there, you're not going to meet those guys. Yeah, I, I think I think this was this is the case in uh, with me and my friends. We were always like guys who were always planning to like don't buy into the bullshit and, and get out. And as long as as long as you're moving and traveling and, and shaking and whatever, I mean, you're going to meet yeah. like minded people. You're not going to be in Korea yeah. if and, you're that. Right, you know, and yeah. I, I I was into a lot of like uh, Japanese music and stuff like that, and so I would go to concerts, and then uh, I would meet whenever the concert was somewhere in the region, we would go there because it was always usually just cool. one concert yeah. in the region, and then you would meet people from uh, like you would hear a familiar language because Serbian and Croatian we can understand each other. Mm-hmm. It's not the same language; it's quite different, uh, but uh, uh, it's it's a lot of same vocabulary, a lot of different grammar. Mm. Uh, but we can understand each other perfectly and so you hear a language and then you're like oh hi and you just say hi and then you start talking to people mm. and so you make friends from all over the place and yeah. usually those are the people who don't really mm. care and yeah. another one my daughter's gymnastics teacher is from the ukraine mm. and she teaches russian kids all the time yeah the, and the, they're friends i mean that's they, those were not the people who are you know summoned uh, to war and they're just regular people they, who were friends before two months ago when, were friends and when, now when i was in uh when i was in um language school they were really worried because we had in same class a person from yeah. uh, palestine and person from israel Hmm. They got along just fine. Yeah, I don't think normal you, people give a shit. Uh, like you <laughs> yeah. know, you yeah. if if the topic of it comes mm-hmm. up, they're gonna argue about it. But if the topic does of it doesn't come yeah. up, as long as you stay away from it, it's people are from the politics. But even is same. But even in general, even yeah. if they're gonna argue, I find it's a more balanced or or unbiased argument uh, where look hey i i'm more i'm out in the world i'm traveling i'm seeing the world i think right. that's the biggest thing like i'm more uh more apt to say hey you know we did something wrong than if i just stay in my country just getting uh, my propaganda yeah, I, my news my uh, i think it's also because people who travel a lot meet a lot of like you can't really travel and not meet people so you meet a lot of people who have very different backgrounds and you're worldwide mm. right you're mm. worldwide just like the blinders are taken off. You, you can't be so stubborn on one because you, 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 yeah. you're not yeah. going to meet 10 people with the same thinking. Yeah. So yeah. it'll really open your mind. The up. most nuanced yeah. argument or conversation I've ever witnessed was going out for dinner with the boys from Ghana. And they come from different regions. And, dude, they had like a it, – it wasn't heated. They were very passionate with what they believed. And just the way they articulated 
each of their um, each of their points of view. It was beautiful to watch. And at the end, one of them conceded. It was like, you know what? I think you've changed my mind. And I was like, holy shit! I wish all conversations they were arguing like about this. yeah the history and the kings and and the Ashantis and and all through the it, history of Ghana. And they all had maybe been taught a little bit more regional yeah, yeah, version yeah, yeah. of it, but. But the just, just the way they 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 talked about it, and at the end, he's like, "You know what? I think you had a good point there." And I was like, "This this never had no one punched each other. There is no there's no punches thrown. It was I, just I I get into this kind yeah. of discussions with people a lot, and it's just like when you actually make a point to listen what people are saying, they, they, they there is a chance they're going to change their mind. If you're arguing just to argue your points, yeah. nothing's ever going to change. I I learned that, but I had a conversation with someone yesterday, and they brought up the point that like. You know, it, in the, what we were talking about, you said, like, in this case, man, you shouldn't be talking. You just need to listen. I was like, whoa, yeah. that is a big, <laughs> that is a big thing. That's a big lesson we all got to, we all got to learn. What, uh, is, what is the community like here in Ulsan for people from that region of the world or, or Balkanians? Uh, Boris is, is the first is person Bal- from yeah. the, our region that I met in Korea in my really? seven years. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <really? laughs> and, uh, okay. and Boris says I'm so just Boris like, you? yeah, so it's just Boris, Lydia and me. <laughs> nice. So, yeah. Uh, cool. It's kind of cool to have someone from my own country, like, you know, to speak my own language at, uh, like in the in person yeah. at times but <laughs> I never actively tried to find the community but also there's so few of us in Korea in general like sometimes online you meet like exchange students that are asking questions or you know, people who came here on a scholarship or something who are mm. from the region but usually because you're in like I know some people in Seoul or something but you're in different cities and if you haven't been friends before it's kind of weird yeah. really yeah. Absolutely. Do you find any um, any crossover between Croatian and Korean culture? Um, we find lots between Italian <laughs> between Italian and, and Korean. There's, uh, there's it's kind of it's kind of funny because in some ways Croatian culture and Korean culture are closer than, for example, Croatian and American or Korean and mm. American culture. There are some things that are more common in like mm. Croatia and Korea, and then. Um, than other countries mm. and stuff like that. There are some kind of random things where someone someone is like, oh, this is a Korean thing. And I'm like, no, we do that like this in Croatia as well. Like, <laughs> give, give an example. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Like, taking your shoes off like oh. at the, the door. Like, <laughs> yeah. Everyone was like, oh, foreigners with shoes. And I was like, no. Yes. We, 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 we take shoes off. Like, yeah, no you take one... your shoes off at home, man. It's freaking winter with snow on your boots. Like, what, what are you going to do? If I walk around, I was like, I don't understand. I, I still don't understand American TV with shoes in the house because... Oh my I think God, it's I just TV, though. Like, do, no, because do my aunt's place in California, okay. they wear their shoes in the house. No, no. Like, I what? talk to friends from yeah. US, they on do the wear bed? shoes in on the what? house. Like, they'd lay down on the couch with their shoes on? Yeah. <laughs> well, they don't put their shoes on the on couch, couch, usually. But, their feet are hanging off, but... but like. Yeah, but I, they all. Lots of them also have indoor, in like indoor shoes. shoes. Yeah, yeah. 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 So they come home and they, no, but but that no, not slippers. She indoor shoes. I I don't know. I don't know that culture. I know in Minnesota, in Wisconsin, in Detroit, where it snows, you don't wear your boots in the house. <laughs> yeah. right. And that's like Canada. You just you're walking through the mud. You can't wear your freaking shoes in the house. I saw a deadly so, Shark Tank one. Do you see that? Where the it, it's got like a it's a shoe, but then you have. You can click the sole, the indoor and outdoor sole. Have you okay. seen that? What kind of tangent is this? <laughs> shark Tank outdoor shoe. Well, no. It was, is there Shark Tank in Korea? Yeah, I, Dude, I, 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 Shark Tank Korea. 
the the Koreans in America got five million dollars. I saw that yeah, for food yeah. cup up. Yeah, cup up. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And they did this dance like so it's cup up, it's cup up. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. I can, you can buy that shit anywhere. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. fried rice. Yeah. But what I mean, branding was great. They're low. They had a simple. It's the japchae, right? Like, they put japchae and like some whatever. Uh, I'll, I'll give you. And the Korean, the Koreans think everything's spicy. <laughs> oh, be careful! It's spicy. And like, there's no, the- there's no spice. Like the rest of. The Indonesian girls we had on a couple weeks ago said they got to look for spice to put in because the Korean food so bland. <laughs> in uh, Croatian food is not uh, even remotely, like even tiny bit spicy. Croatian food is very... Um, mm. it, uh, we use a lot of paprika, but not like spicy paprika mm. and stuff like that. So uh, it's not bland food, but it's not... Um, Ajvar. We, we Ajvar has a... Uh, yeah, yeah. Not, like, not so bad. Yeah, uh, uh, Ivar is... Um, How do you say? Ivar? Ivar. Ivar. Yeah. Ivar is... Ajvar. Uh, <laughs> uh, um, oh, it's a, it it's a relish made from uh, uh, from peppers. Roasted okay. red peppers. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. But you can make that mild or you can make it like lightly spicy or you can make it like really spicy. Mm. I like the mildly spicy one. My, my parents can't handle spice, so at home, like... If I'm making food for myself, I will make it a little bit spicy. Yeah, but yeah. my parents just not so much. For me, Korean food is like I like Korean food, mm. so but I like any food. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. You know, before I'm, before yeah. before getting too into the Korean yeah. side of it and the culture stuff here, I just had a, one or two more about the past. Um, you. I was gonna. Do you have any brothers or sisters? No, no. no I mean, uh, well, so, uh, I my no, fresh this morning. sperm donor because he was never a father. Um, he Pardon. had a child, I think, at least one. Um, I talked uh, to, so I have like a half sister um, that I know of. I don't know if there is any more. Mm-hmm. That's also so, another so was, story, but uh, no, I don't have any uh, siblings that actually have. So, so I was going to ask what what it was like growing up with just a, a single mother and no siblings. Oh, um, you so, must have that uh, must be part of the strong connection you guys have. Oh, so my um, and was my, that common or? My mom actually remarried when I was um, seven years old. I have a stepdad. He's a pretty decent guy. Okay. So. He's not, he, while I was a teenager, we didn't really get along. He had his own issues, but uh, he grew a lot as a person, and I grew a lot as a person, and now we get along great. Awesome. So. Sweet. Was was uh, separating or divorcing a common trend throughout yeah, the war? Yeah, it was common. Was that... uh, no, I don't know if through the war, but it's, it was common thing back then. I, I, was just, yeah, I was curious if you had any brothers or sisters, and what... Kind of what it was like growing up with or, with, or without. And, uh, it's a, up, one yeah. of the problems was, you know, now you have a lot of um, support for any kind of like, um, well, kind of disability. So if you're a diabetic now, you're going to get support. When I was in school, I was actually basically punished for it. Teachers wouldn't understand when I needed to go to... Um, hospital and skip classes i would basically get lower grades because of it or if i had a um, hypoglycemic uh, like low blood sugar yeah. episode and i needed to leave class mm. or was uh, shaking and couldn't like because we have a lot of oral exams in Croatia, they would think it's an excuse and they would lower my grade next time when i mm. um you'd start from behind the a yeah 
So, you know, huh. like some teachers were great about it, but some teachers were not so great about it. So. I wonder what kind of teacher I'd be. Kid, so I'm having a diabetic attack right before a, right before a testing. Are you sure? <laughs> you're, nowadays, you're checking them out. <laughs> you know, nowadays, there's a new technology. Like, I have one on my arm. It's a mm. sensor. Transdermal? Mm. You stick it on, it goes mm. in. Uh, it has like a small plastic needle that stays okay. in. It measures blood sugar continuously every minute or every five minutes. Is it sent you to have... your phone? Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, uh, this one that I have, I have to scan it, but there are ones that uh, sent to your phone. Yeah. They're just a little bit more expensive uh, to spend money. That's mm. not permanently there, or do you take it off? Or... Uh, you change it every 14 days. The one oh, that okay. I have, you yeah. change it every 14 days. Nice. Um, and uh, huh. yeah, so. A little it's easier like, than when you were a kid. So it's like yeah. this app, Perfect. and then you scan your. Blood sugar, and then it shows hey, that my blood sugar now is perfectly fine for me to eat the That's so easy, right? That's yeah, so and then the green green lines are ah. showing like the blood your blood sugar is in what, where what you is want it, it to be. Uh, oh, the, uh, the one that I have is called Libre. Uh, L I B R E. Yeah, Libre. And the other one that's uh, really famous is called Dexcom. And what are these things called? Oh, they're called continuous uh, blood glucose monitors. Okay. Uh, My grandma is diabetic and she has to They are, if they're not covered by uh, insurance, they're expensive. Mm. One of these costs 100,000 won. And then two hundred bucks a month. To, yeah, and yeah. then I get, Ooh, I, and then I get uh, these ones are covered by insurance, and so I paid thirty thousand ones for yeah. one, mm-hmm. and so it's like sixty uh, a month. Yeah. Um, Korea is quite honestly behind the diabetes diabetes, diabetes technology, mm. because for some weird reason, while Korea actually has, fun enough, Korea has really really low obesity rates, mm. right? Korea has more type 2 diabetes than the U.S. does. Whoa. By far. Yeah, 17% versus 12% with type 2 diabetes, with the diabetes that's related to to lifestyle choices. But with type 1 diabetes, which is auto... uh, Type 1 diabetes is uh, autoimmune disease. Could could you, um, before we get into the diabetes, could you just introduce like what diabetes means you oh, can so, type 1 type 2 yeah okay so there uh diabetes is basically a name for a disease where your blood sugars are not where they should be there are two types of diabetes. Uh, type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune condition where your own body attacks the specific cells in pancreas that mm. produce insulin, and therefore your body just completely stops producing insulin. Mm. Type 2 diabetes is... Um, a different disease where your body uses, produces insulin, but it can't utilize it properly. Um, type 1 diabetes is uh, quite unknown origin because right now we know that some viruses trigger it. There is a little bit of uptick from it, from COVID, because um, any disease that makes your immune system fight a lot can trigger autoimmune response. Okay. Yeah. It's not just diabetes, it's like thyroid problems, it's celiac disease, it's a lot of yeah. different things. And um, type 1 is one of those things that can happen. Um, 
The yeah. type 1 diabetes is uh, mistakenly known as juvenile diabetes uh, because... Who would ever make that mistake? <laughs> <laughs> because it was, it was, it was, it used to be diagnosed mostly in the children because mm. you know, you knew that when you had a child with low blood sugar, with oh, high blood sugar, I'm sorry, mm. uh, that it wasn't type 2 diabetes mm. and so you would automatically diagnose them with uh, because you knew that it was mm. even a long time ago before they were te- nowadays there are tests that can show you which type you have mm. before they weren't and uh, so you had to diagnose by symptoms mm. and then if it was a child it's definitely type 1 it's dependent on insulin and you need like insulin so you can't take the blood or the sugar out of your blood is that the uh, type 1 so well the, what insulin does in insulin as a hormone basically acts like a key that allows glucose from blood to enter your cells okay. to make energy so you can function. Yeah. When you don't have any insulin, your body can't function because mm. you don't get any energy. Okay. And so in type 1 diabetics, which don't have insulin, you have to give extra mm. insulin. Yeah. Um, if you put Fun fact, if you put a type 1 diabetic who has been diabetic for a while uh, on a desert island without any insulin, they would survive about a week and then they would just die. Die, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, uh, e- there are two ways of managing type 1 diabetes. <clears throat> one is with uh, daily injections and one is with something called uh, insulin pump. Uh, insulin pumps are these small devices that continuously give insulin mm. uh they're like uh, uh small like a linger yeah mm. yeah basically they, they they contain insulin in them they're an electronic device they keep pumping insulin into you in a way that normal body would produce no, no, no. insulin because there's two two ways of insulin mm. you need the basic functioning insulin mm. and then every time you eat you need extra yeah. insulin um and so the because the insulin pump uses the insulin that is very short acting only a few hours if you take insulin pump off someone they could go into coma uh, within like a day like mm. even less a day with uh, injections it's different because you have two types of insulin one is long acting one is short acting and uh, because of the long acting insulin even if you don't give short acting even if your uh, blood sugars are really high you're not going to go right in coma mm-hmm. because your blood um, the problem that happens is when there's absolutely no insulin here mm. but it, the high blood sugars do a lot of damage long term but acutely it's not going to be that much of a mm. problem but if there's absolutely no insulin then your body basically starts eating yourself mm. and uh, it uh, it puts in something called ketoacidosis and it just mm. yeah your blood becomes acidic and you go to coma yeah. <laughs> Whatever. How uh, how does or do you have to regulate your eating times? Should you? No, uh, this is the thing with uh, with twenty thirty years ago. This mm. was correct, okay. uh, and this is the um, this is the information that a lot of people still have. They, the knowledge that they have about type one diabetes is quite old, and the type one technology has come insanely long way in the mm. last 10, 15 years. Because right now. We have insulins that uh, 20 years ago, the insulin, the fastest acting insulin would start working in around an hour. The mm. fastest acting insulin that we have right now works in five minutes. Sweet. Uh, the, um, the longest acting insulin we had at, time, at that time worked around eight to 12 hours. 
the fastest act, the slowest acting insulin we have right now works for four, over 40 hours mm-hmm. um, so you uh, and then the insulin pumps were also like an insane technological advancement <clears throat> because with them uh, you don't need the your long acting insulin doesn't need to be all the same dose mm-hmm. all the time you just put the basis and so mm-hmm. if you are going to go running you can stop your uh, or like lower your short acting insulin mm-hmm. so you don't your blood sugars don't go low if you're on injections and if you want to do sports it's kind of hard mm-hmm. um same where a lot of people have this phenomenon where in the like this is normal in normal bodies in the morning because your body is trying to wake you up mm. it uh, dumps uh, glucose from your liver into your bloodstream mm. but when it does that to diabetic which can't re- which, whose pancreas can't respond mm. your blood sugars go up so if you have a pump and you know this happens every day at 4 a.m you can program nice. it to give you more insulin at 4 a.m the problem is Korean doctors and yeah. Korean system is quite behind, and so the insulin pumps are insanely expensive and inaccessible mm. here. Like the pump, pumps, they have only a few of them. Uh, the There is a Korean company which made this like a really small, tiny pump that is like a patch. You just mm. stick it yeah. on you. There's no tubes, there's no injections. You just stick it on you, and then it works for three days, but it's uh, 400 a month because uh-huh. the insurance still hasn't covered it. Uh-huh. The company is trying, the company themselves are awesome they're mm. really trying to get it covered uh but they got it covered in europe but they still haven't got it in korea even though it's mm. korean pump so yeah uh, when my wife was pregnant she had the gestational diabetes yeah. Yeah. and f- uh, we were with american friends at the time yeah. and we had to drive across the city to get the testing kits and whatever in Buddy from America is like, dude, you can buy these on every corner in America. He's like, every every um, little penny job, every little uh, every little place has I don't know why they them. made you do this. If it's in Korea, in Korea, you can also get them in any pharmacy. This is 10 years ago. Mm. This is 10 years yeah, ago. Yeah, 10 we years ago. Now, now this you can get most of these <clears> things. On any pharmacy, you can get them on coupon. Yeah. We're 70% or 7, what you say, 17%. Uh, 17% yeah. of people have diabetes. So, yeah, I'd hope you can. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> That's a lot of Type people, two. man. Yeah. yeah. Holy man. Yeah. Um. It's actually something like thirty percent over age sixty-five or something like that. It's really, really high. Like I might be a little bit off on my yeah. percentages, but it's quite high. Wow. So how does the system work that you have now? What when you? Oh, so. There's not much sugar the, in that. No, that's yeah. okay. Uh, so, I've been diabetic for over thirty years now. Mm. I got like, um. A lot of diabetics nowadays uh, do something called carb counting, where you know um, exactly how much insulin covers, exactly how much carbohydrates, mm. and then if you know how much carbohydrates are in your food, you you know how much insulin it's to a, give. Okay. Uh, because I have, was never taught that, I learned how to estimate, and I'm pretty damn good at it. I can yeah. usually be like, oh, this is a muffin, this needs around four units of insulin, so I, like, uh, because... I like to give myself insulin a little bit before I start eating to give it time to work and so I don't yeah. go very high. Um, so I gave myself insulin a bit ago and I was like, okay, this muffin's going to be around like four units of insulin, so I'm just going to give insulin. If I if it's too little, my blood sugar will start going high, I can give more insulin at that time. If it's uh, too... Um, too much, then my blood sugar is going to go low. I have candy around. I'll just eat some candy. So it's not a big We were camping one time and uh, one guy just went into like, oh, uh, uh, and his family ran. He was at the campsite next to us and we're like, is this guy having a stroke? What's going on? And they went and got like a really sugary candy mm. and they like pried his mouth open and stuck it in and he just came back to life. 
low blood sugars are way more acutely dangerous than high blood sugars mm. like if i have a situation where i know that i'm not gonna have access to food like exam or something mm. i'm purposefully gonna run a little bit high because i don't want to go low because if ah. i go low i get dizzy yeah i get uh, like my, i get shaky i get dizzy and my brain doesn't function mm. and so in a lot of western countries nowadays like for exams kids with diabetes like they are if they have a low blood sugar episode they're given like 20 30 minutes extra at mm. the end of the exam to cool. finish the exam because you know hey. like you you're it's not like you're getting something to make it easier for you than for no. everyone else yeah. it's just basically <laughs> you're Logical. playing life you get, on yeah. hard mode all yeah, the yeah, time yeah, yeah, yeah. and so it's just like yeah. <laughs> How how often would you have a low blood sugar encounter? Um, I mean, knowing how to manage it, no, you sound like so, an absolute expert on this. Yeah. So, <laughs> here's the thing I would think it doesn't happen, but how, uh, how often do you run into that? Uh, here's the thing with low blood sugars. Um, on pump, they're much more easier to prevent than they are on injections because I know that if I go hiking, I'm going to keep going low. Mm. I don't drop too low because uh, I have the graph and it's showing me like, oh, your blood sugar is like steeply dropping from 100 and now it's at 90. And I know in if I don't eat something at that moment, it's going to go low. But right now I'm at 90 and I'm okay at 90. Mm. And so I'm still going to eat my candy bar or something mm. at that 90 and it's going to go to like, I don't know, 130. Mm. And then it's going to stay there or it's going to slowly drop again because if you keep moving yeah. it's going to keep dropping no, uh, but I don't get like the episodes where my blood sugar actually goes like really low and I have to like I'm shaking and I need to stop doing like oh, once twice a week once a week oh really yeah you you can't avoid these with with without a, a like uh, with a, with without a pump even even on a pump they're unavoidable like mm. usually if um on the continuous glucose meter if your uh sh blood sugars under 70 are under two percent one two percent that's amazing Mm -hmm. That's like what I was wondering, like with the monitor some, and the app and yeah. the patch and everything, you still have you, choice. You, you always wow. have a patch it, on. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. you don't know how your body's going to respond. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Because, like, you know, like, I can, I also have a problem where my body tends to respond uh, on, um, uh, in a chaotic ways. Like some mm -hmm. people don't have problem with this, and some kimchi people or... never. <laughs> Sorry, what? You have kimchi How or some cream. Well, <laughs> your system the, goes, the, holy the, shit, the, what was that? The funny thing How with dare kimchi, you kimchi is, with uh, <laughs> so for every person, this is different. For me, kimchi lowers my blood sugars, and I, that's not chaotic that I know that it's diabetes. <laughs> if I'm eating kimchi jjigae, that needs way less insulin than sundubu jjigae does, because kimchi, for some reason, uh, lowers my blood sugar. I don't oh, know. Wow. It's thing with fermented cabbage and yeah. my blood sugars. It's always been yeah, a thing. That's it's, funny. So, I, you know, but th this is not the same for everyone. Like, for yeah. my friend, I have a friend who's diabetic. For her, kimchi spikes her yeah. very high. So, yeah. it's... Um, um, yeah. 
once but, or twice a week you get uh, uh, get a little shaky you gotta you gotta pop sure how much control do you have like hmm? if you feel like eating four muffins can you put like four shorts and eat all if I want to eat a whole jar of Nutella <laughs> I can eat a whole jar of Nutella I'm gonna nice. feel like shit afterwards <laughs> cause like like everyone would but no. this is the thing with 20 years ago type 2 diabetes like was way easier to handle than type 1 with new technology, if you have access to new technology, with that one, you don't really need any kind of lifestyle changes. If I want to eat a muffin, I'll eat a muffin. If I want to eat a Nutella, I'm going to eat Nutella. If I want to eat, I don't know. I'm like, oh, I'm craving ice cream right now. I'm just going to give insulin and eat that ice cream. Uh, yeah. Right. Nice. It's just like, yeah. you know, you, you, need to, you need to... injections. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem is that... You don't get education on this, especially yeah. in Korea, in Europe and in the US, mm. uh, the education on diabetes, once you get diabetic, you get a whole team, you get a diabetes mm. educator, you get mm. endocrinologist, you get a nurse, you have 24 hour, pretty much 24 hour access to those. Yeah. And they teach you properly how to take care of yourself. In Korea, they don't. And then when I go to the doctor and they see my blood test results, they're like, whoa, you're really taking care of yourself. Mm. And I'm like, I just, just had a muffin like 20 no. minutes yeah. ago. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, they, they usually think that I'm on some kind of strict diet because that's how they know that the diabetes was uh, uh, treated like 20, 30 years mm. ago. But nowadays, if you know what you're doing, like if you're taught properly what you're doing... It's manageable, huh? Yeah. So, like, does the app give you nudges? Like, it's, oh, you're running too high. Uh, so, the... Um, the Dexcom and the uh, so in Korea we have Libra one in Europe it's Libra three mm-hmm. in uh, because Libra two came four years ago in Korea we're probably getting it this year oh, maybe yeah. uh, but the newer versions all uh, they connect with Bluetooth and they uh, the, your phone is gonna start ringing when you uh, that's awesome yeah oh, and so the, now you still have to like yeah I have to oh, check okay. but I. Uh, some people don't really feel their blood sugars until they're super low. I usually feel mine on time okay, before okay, they okay, actually okay. go. Um, there's a, also this really, really cool tech right now. It's called Closed Loop. It's your blood sugar monitor and your pump. Yeah. And they connect through phone. Don't even and they use yeah. and they use AI to predict your insulin needs and then you just like if you're eating a bigger meal (laughs) then you're just gonna be like oh i need like i ate this much carbs or i uh, i need this much insulin you're gonna Mm. input the insulin and that's all the thinking that you need to do otherwise your blood sugar is going high and then your pump is like your uh, monitor sends info to the pump like hey blood sugar is going a little bit high you might wanna like it's not even you my one. It doesn't even notify yeah, you. Yeah, he yeah. just does it. You yeah. don't need to think about it. Wait till they connect yeah. it to a to your uh, your contact lenses. Like you're looking at kimchi jjigae. You look at the Nutella bottles. Like wow, just fucking popping your body. They're waiting. They're waiting on. They're trying to develop like these tiny implantable pumps and monitors where you don't need to like do anything. Wow. Uh, there also like there's there's a lot of so really just cool technology. as a lifestyle uh, observation. How how many times do you scan it every day? Let me tell you my average for last week because <laughs> the app does tell me. Okay. So um, but like I, if my blood sugar is like pretty stable, then I know like oh it's stable. I don't scan it. But if it's going high or low, then I scan it uh, more often. So. 
I'll guess, I'll guess uh, uh, 10 times a day. Yeah. Yeah, okay. app- approximately 10 times a day. Uh, usually, honestly, now the average is a little bit lower because I have two apps and then mm-hmm. I scan uh, both of them. I, I think my average was, uh, before I got the other app, it was around 15 times a day. No. Can you give us a peek Once at, an hour. in the special case there? You're oh, yeah. Just... I haven't been around this stuff in probably 15 oh, yeah. years. So I thought it was a pencil case. These are... <laughs> Yes. Yeah, they're pencils. Uh, they're they're actually that, they're actually called insulin pens. So these are the two that I'm using. Uh, one is called Treciba and one is called Fiasp. These are the the both are them are like the most modern insulins mm-hmm. that you have. Um, and basically, yeah, you just they just you just dial how much insulin you want to give. And oh, uh, this is the long acting one. This uh, is one that's uh, keeping my blood sugar stable and uh, my body functioning uh, all the time, mm. like during the night and everything. So and you'll then do this... that before bed when you wake up? Yes, I, I do mine before bed. You, you're you supposed to do it around the same time every day. It doesn't mm. matter what time of day. I like to do mine before bed because yeah. it's just like, it's easiest to remember yeah. to do before bed. And then uh, this one I do every time I eat or my blood sugar mm. is. Nice. If you want to open them and inspect them. So how many how many times a day? <laughs> what happens, yeah, if, go ahead. What happens no. if we jab soda up in the yeah. arm right now? How many yeah. how many times a day? Oh, <laughs> uh, so the oh, long it's pretty act- big uh, while. Yeah, the 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 long active one I do once a day, and Drink then it. the this one every time. I eat. So it ends up being nice. usually every time I eat or every time I need to fix it. So usually needle. it ends up being total of six times. A day. It's a needle in there. Oh yeah. Ah, okay, okay. Yeah. Okay. So the needles are tiny. You can yeah, just see. Like they're, they're even tinier needles, needles, but I prefer right. this size. You do oh, in, your, in your side. <laughs> oh, I do it. Uh, uh, like uh, you can do it everywhere. Before. I yeah, I do it. Yeah. Uh, I don't do my stomach because for some <clears throat> weird reason I have extremely sensitive stomach, and if mm. I do injections in my stomach, it bruises like mm. hell. And so I don't do it in my stomach. This is usually the best place because it acts fastest. But like oh, I just I have never yeah. in my life been able to do it. My so grandma. I just do in. Uh, either arms or uh, legs. Usually when I'm home, I do it in my legs because there's like I have pretty thick legs, so it's mm. a lot of space mm. because you don't want to be giving insulin in the same space mm. because it causes the buildup of uh, fatty cells. Yeah. And then the when you give insulin, it doesn't work. Okay. So Can I move this? Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's the maximum? Oh, oh, I don't know. Actually, you can uh, try it's to like that's how you can do power. How fast does it go? No, yeah, go ahead. Uh. So uh, I, think, uh, I think the maximum yeah. is uh, either 30 or 50 units. I'm not sure because uh, I, I only use uh, four, I only use like you, 10 units uh, at a time. If you so. go to a full-on buffet, how many units do you have? Uh, <laughs> usually... Depends if you're hitting rice uh, or meat. Uh, right? uh, that as well, but like also just, uh, the, uh, the thing is like every single diabetic person is different. I need only 10 units of long-acting insulin per day, which is on a, on a low end. That's mm. on a really, really yeah. low end. Uh, some people need around 100 units per day. Oh, for, no like, and you can be the same weight. You can be have the same activity as someone yeah. else. And you Just can need like completely it. different. So for me, um, I don't like to give more than 10 units at once because it tends to drop me too yeah. fast. Yeah. So if I'm eating at the... Uh, the buffets are like <laughs> this. If I'm eating at the buffet, it's going to be like six or seven injections during one dinner. Because I'm going to just like do... Uh, like Regular. 
eat uh, like I'm gonna okay, do a little okay, bit like at the beginning, then I'm gonna eat a plate or two, and then I'm gonna decide like, oh, <laughs> this needs more insulin. Nutella bars. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, and then I'm gonna decide like okay, for okay, for okay. the regular meals, I give the whole insulin at once because I know what I'm eating. But if I go to a buffet, I have no idea what I'm actually no. gonna yeah, end up eating, yeah. so I usually end up nice, just nice. doing like for each plate, I end up doing a separate mm. for uh, regulation. Yeah. How long does a vial last? Uh, so, um, usually, usually you're, usually you're supposed to use them, uh, like 28 days. Mm. Nothing happens if you use them longer. They're just, they're just fine. It's just sanitary. Uh, Yeah. yeah. It's, it's more that, uh, the, they're a guarantee, the insulin is guaranteed to function at hundred percent for 28 days. After that, the effectivity can drop. Um, for me, the thing is the long acting as I use 10 units a day and the whole pen contains 300 units. And sometimes you want to test if the needle is uh, okay or not. It doesn't usually last me more than a month for the short acting. It usually it's 300 units. It usually lasts me like seven mm-hmm. to ten days, depending on yeah. what I'm eating. It's so when so I had COVID, uh, <laughs> uh, so when you get sick with diabetes, your insulin needs usually go to high hell. Uh, during COVID, I was using pen for two days and then it was gone because oh. I needed I needed when five, five times when you had corona. Yeah, I had. Uh, I oh, that was just a couple times. weeks ago. Yeah, that was two mm. weeks ago. Okay. Yeah, I had our original I needed, original okay. meeting time. Yeah. yeah. So my grandma also has diabetes and mm. she takes like two injections every day, and since my childhood, like I was taught how to give grandma mm. injections because mm. like before dinner and after lunch she will take it. Mm. So I think your grandma probably has type two. Uh, she got it in her late age, but I I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I sounds if, like type two. If he if she doesn't need to I mean, take long acting, obese, she is like. She yeah, but in Korea, well, yeah. you know, in Korea yeah, as yeah. well, most people mm. are not yeah, obese, yeah, yeah. and yet they have diabetes. Hmm. And still, you get the doctors commenting when they say to doctors here, "Oh, I'm diabetic." They're like. But you don't look diabetic. And I'm like, what does a diabetic look like? Yeah. That's funny. So, so in general, being type one diabetic in Korea is you can live a fairly you convenient, can live a, yeah. normal life. Everything's pretty. Yeah, especially convenient. if you ha- if especially if you have money. But yeah. You so you said before pouch, that the batch, and then you're good. Yeah. You said before living with type two was easier than type one, but now type one may be easier. What type one is easier to control. Uh. Mm because you don't need to do lifestyle changes. And for most people, lifestyle changes are hard. When you have type two, you can't eat what you want because if you eat too much, the medication that you're given, you can't uh, take enough for it to cover Mm. everything. Is type two similar though, where you have a patch and the mm, same deal or? Usually people don't really pay. This is also the thing. I think most type 1 diabetics pay way more attention to their disease than type 2 diabetics. Because um, type 1, if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to feel effects right away. You're going to feel really bad and you're going to like end up in the hospital. With type 2, if you don't take care of yourself, you're not really going to feel effects for 5, 10, 20 years. And mm. then you're going to start having mm. serious yeah. problems that Chosen can't be... This can't be reversed. With type one, usually, you know, 
we are taught right at the beginning you need to take care of yourself people burn out people don't always take care of themselves you know like it's humans are humans i had i had the periods if my in my life where i didn't take care of myself and i do have consequences from that but um i think on average your type 1 diabetic knows way more about their disease than yeah. type 2 i think diabetic. you accept this as a chronic condition and then you just condition your life that mm-hmm. Yeah. Like my about- grandma doesn't say no to any food you give her. We eat ice cream, and half an hour later, we were we will be sitting in the living room, and you see her doing this. <laughs> it was worth it. How about, yeah. how about this one? It says thirty-seven point three million Americans have diabetes. Yeah. One in about six, one in ten. Right? It says one in five people with diabetes don't know they have it. Yeah, the, with type 2 diabetes, most people don't know they have it That's because wild. you you don't feel it. You can't, like mm. type 2 diabetes is lightly, like usually it manifests itself as a lightly elevated blood sugar. And if your blood sugar is kept, kept creeping from 100 to 120, 240, 280 mm. to 200, your body's just going to get used to it. You're not going to feel it. No. It keeps doing damage to your body, but you're not going to feel it. It usually, type 2 usually gets discovered on like periodic blood tests and stuff mm. like that. It usually doesn't get discovered as symptoms. Type 1 usually gets discovered as symptoms yeah. because you start feeling bad. How do you feel when you have high blood sugar? Um, so... Is it like sugar high? <laughs> no, actually, um, I personally just get so, so tired. The moment my blood sugar is too high, the moment I'm sleepy, the first thing I'm doing is checking my blood sugars. Mm. Because if I'm like... if. My blood sugar is high. I become sleepy. When it goes really high, you start getting this like weird taste in your mouth. You start feeling nauseous. Like um, you get really thirsty, and mm-hmm. you just overall feel like that. Lethargic. Like it's just like like you, you the, the the like when my blood sugar goes high, I just like can you just go down, please? I'm just mm-hmm. feeling so bad. Mm-hmm. I don't really get these episodes uh, often anymore because I have uh, the, the, the this sensor literally changed my life. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. it was impossible to keep my blood sugars <clears throat> nowhere near this level of mm-hmm. control. It should be standard of care. It's not, and I'm so angry that it's not, but it should be. Like, the first thing you should do when someone is diagnosed as type 1 diabetic is to give them continuous glucose monitoring. Mm-hmm. Because it's just it just makes everyone life so much easier. Yeah. It's you, just you go back to the other one. I'm just looking at a couple of things. You said Korea seventeen percent, America twelve percent for type two. Yeah. This, I mean, Japan similar culture diet, whatever. Probably it says thirty one percent of men and thirty three percent of women in America are obese. Yeah. And often people relate diabetes type two to, to obesity. Yeah. But three percent men and women in Japan are obese. Three percent, thirty percent. It's four percent in Korea. Yeah, and 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 the diabetes rates are almost the same, uh, or worse in, in Japan, Japan and Korea. Too. Yeah, well, the same, like seventeen percent in Korea, twelve percent yeah. in America. Wow. Now, nowadays it's Which uh, nowadays is, is it's wild. Uh, nowadays we are discovering that type two and obesity are related, but it's not probably direct correlation. It's more likely that they have the same. Mm. Uh, Propensity, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. But like the, China, hundred and forty-one million people with diabetes. Yeah, that, so I would never think China, like, Korea, Japan as as leaders in diabetes. They really market uh, themselves as like the healthy It's a high carb, right. which is it's now a high I'm, carbohydrate oh, diet. Mm. That's the right. diet step it's two in, is quite. Likely. It's in so many other factors too. Like so many people get stomach ulcers here because of like the high salt and 
And down Sojo the hole. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sojo burn a hole through it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on that note, I cannot drink soju because soju literally makes my stomach hurt. Yeah. Like, I can drink other alcohol, but not soju. Yeah. Not, uh, not the best. Not the best one, but... Oh, this is also the thing. Like, you can drink alcohol as a diabetic, but you need to be, like, extra cautious because alcohol has weird effects. You would expect, like, oh, alcohol is going to raise your blood sugar. Uh-uh. That's the opposite thing. So you really? have to, yeah, Hi. yeah, because <laughs> the logic is, so your liver prioritizes metabolizing alcohol yeah, instead of, course, of food. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it's Let's not like get you're this not. this shit out of here. <laughs> yeah. It's your liver. Yeah. And so yeah. when, when you you're type it, 1 diabetic with. Uh, if you can manage it well enough, you can have. Alcohol instead of insulin, then. Yeah. No, no, not really, not really. Because uh, what happens with me, like it doesn't happen with every diabetic, but what happens with me is um, it's going to keep my blood sugar low-ish while I'm drinking, and then it's going to spike the moment that mm-hmm. my uh, that alcohol is out of my system, right, my blood sugar is going to go You're drinking and driving? <laughs> it's a disease. Yeah, we know. No, it's diabetes. <laughs> I have to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. This is, this is wild, man. The countries with the highest percentage of diabetes pakistan kuwait mauritius kiribati egypt tuvalu solomon islands qatar malaysia sudan like i would think canada america would be the top but no 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 it's not it's not uh, (laughs) india is quite high lots lots of the islands though saint kitts and nevis vanuatu tonga uh, there is genetic propensity to it. The, the, both type 1 and type 2 are way more complicated than people think. Mm. And this is the problem because you have type, you have even type 2 diabetics who are athletes. And then you have this athlete who is type 2 diabetic and people are like, no, they, they, no, you just need to eat healthy. You just need to lose weight and everything's going to be fine. No, not always. <laughs> yeah. Like in, in, uh, in a lot of cases with type to diabetes, going on a low-carb diet, even without weight loss, it helps. Mm. Like, it helps long-term. With type 1, it just doesn't really matter. For for some people, it's much easier to handle their diabetes on a low-carb diet, but it just doesn't really Mm. matter. From what I heard for type 2 is, if you choose the low-carb, then you need, like, less insulin. Yeah. And the thing is... The more you take insulin, the less your body thinks that it really needs to generate it. Mm. So over a time, your insulin needs go higher. Okay. But if you keep your lifestyle in low carb, then you can like prolong that. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 Ah. For, for type 2, that works. For type 1, doesn't really do cool. anything. Man, I learned a lot. Yeah. That's fantastic. I want to get my blood checked now. <laughs> I get yeah. you said you said you get sleepy. Yeah, I wish you're... I wish I actually yeah. I didn't take it with me. I left it at home. Uh, I actually have I actually still have my uh little tester. Uh, yeah, little yeah. tester because uh the sensors are not always completely accurate. Mm. With uh, some of the sensors, you can calibrate them. With the one that I'm using, you can't. But for me, I got lucky, and for me, it's usually pretty accurate. It's like you yeah, yeah. yeah, but but you do need to like sensors can sometimes show you something that doesn't seem like it makes sense. Like you're suddenly <coughs> dropping, but you don't like. For me, if I'm suddenly dropping, but I don't feel like I'm dropping, mm. I'm gonna go check my blood sugar because mm. usually it's gonna be sensor that it's yeah. off. And also, like, sensors have weird reaction to, like, uh, hot showers 
or oh. hot baths. <laughs> right, uh, yeah. Sometimes it will show like your blood sugar spiking yeah, to yeah, like yeah. high hell, but it's not actually yeah, spiking, yeah. just your sensors being gotcha. weird. Probably the newer generation take care. Yeah, yeah, that, they, right? they, they, they're, slowly, they're slowly getting better. I'm actually excited because there is a Korean sensor on market that's completely different technology because these work with some kind of... Uh, 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 not emulsion, oh my god, enzymes. Oh. Uh, but the Korean one works with platinum. It's not right, enzyme-based, right, 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 and right, it's yeah. supposed to last for a month instead of uh, 14 days. Uh, it's supposed to get on market this year, so I'm excited to try new tech. Cool. It's supposed to also be cheaper, so mm, that's... Oh so, like, bonus. talking about the costs, uh, how much... Uh, percent do you spend on taking care of your uh, diabetes so because i my, imagine it's like a big chunk of money right uh, so for me uh the cost is around i i would say around uh, when i calculated my costs uh, for the last year because here's the thing in Korea, diabetes is not considered severe incurable disease. Yeah. It should be, but it's not uh, because they assume that the costs are under one million a year. Out-of-pocket mm. costs are under mm. one million a year, and therefore it's not a severe disease, and therefore we cover it only this percentage. When the problem is that this is not uh, counting costs of sensors, and it's not counting costs of pump. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so the Korean Society of Type 1 Diabetes was doing a survey recently, which is why I calculated my costs for the yeah. last year. And when you take into account all hospital appointments, my insulin, my sensors, it's a little bit over $2 million a year. Mm. So like significant, right? Yeah, 150 yeah. a month. Yeah. yeah, something like 150 a month. Yeah, but, but I mean, it seems reasonable. If you wanted to, uh, it's it, it, uh, it would if it was the for the best technology, well, yes. But if I was using the newest technology, <clears throat> my costs a month would be around six hundred k, because it's not because covered yeah, uh, yeah, by yeah. insurance, and so. Uh, so ideally, the, paying what you do now for the best technology is a. Uh, if I if I if I had to pay 150 a month for the closed loop pump, I would be very happy and co- I would consider mm-hmm. that a perfectly reasonable price yeah, to yeah. pay. The problem is that it's not the the closed the, the actual closed pump uh, closed system pumps are not even available in Korea and they're not likely to be available mm-hmm. in Korea anytime soon. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking, so you can't even get them here. Not that I, I know it's not directly correlated, but if your doctor prescribed you to go to the gym every day for an hour. I mean, you're looking at more than two thousand dollars for a gym membership. No, 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 you're not. I mean, sixty bucks, 50. sixty bucks a month. Oh, I mean, what so you, if it's your choice, then it doesn't matter. But it puts someone on a, like a lifetime just, handicap, right? Yeah, yeah. You I, I just want. I just, I just trying to put in perspective. Like, if someone said, you know, you have to eat only, you need to start eating this, 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 and go to the gym and whatever, mm-hmm. or you're going to have major complications in the next couple of years. I mean, that's. I mean, it's not ten thousand dollars. Is yeah. I guess what I mean, it, which would be like holy shit. That's the, really expensive. The, the the problem is that the better technology is, the more likely it is that you're not gonna have problems later in life. Right. And so, in the end, the insurance actually long term saves a lot of money because. If you have a person on insulin close pump, even if they're not actively taking care of themselves, the, their blood sugars are not going to be crazy bad. Mm. Like, um, and then they're not going to, in five, 10 years, they're not going to get uh, problems with their eyes. They're not going to need uh, eye surgeries. Yeah. They're not mm. going to need right. yeah. kidney transplants. Yeah, yeah. They're not going to need, uh, 
like a lot of treatments for nerve issues mm. and long term you save yeah. money by giving people the best technology mm. that they can for to make their life the easiest that mm. you can but people are not thinking in long term people yeah. are thinking what Short is term, this yeah. now what's most profitable well, right. i think this is a good time to transition yeah into, i'm sorry i talk a lot no 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 this is this is a perfect time i mean talking about insurance and and making future yeah. predictions i mean this is exactly what you're what you're into right doing yeah. your postdoc and uh, in climate modeling yeah um, we were talking just before we started and I said there's there has to be a connection between what you're doing and and insurance companies because I heard the <laughs> well definitely man because I, I I was mentioning earlier I, I saw a lady talk about how I, I think she discovered that in Florida if they had um, a hurricane over a certain over a certain level that it was going to destroy the like it, it would just basically bankrupt all the insurance companies and i, I think this has switched their um maybe their insurance system or, or policy i think that it's some state insurance or something now but anyways back to what you're doing here you're doing climate modeling uh, yeah so uh, my postdoc is in the high impact weather prediction laboratory mm. and i do uh well we do mm. We do different things, like my lab does different things. There are people doing typhoons, there are people doing uh, um, some kind of weather modeling, there are people developing models, and I'm personally right now doing uh, research on um, uh, extreme precipitation, so mm. a lot of rain when you get a lot of rain at once, and then also on uh, uncertainties in mm. climate prediction. This is my current research. What's the what's the information or factors that go into a climate model? So, climate models are extremely complex because when you're predicting weather on the scale of one, two, three, five days, the only thing you need is atmosphere. Mm. You don't need connections with the rest because on that short time scale, you don't get uh, atmosphere interacting with anything. When you go to the scale of months, you get ocean into the mix. Mm. When you go to the scale of years, you also get ice to the mix. You get carbon cycle into the mix. Yeah. You get um, like... Uh, ocean current. Yeah, you get basically every kind of uh, system into the mix. And then the second thing is... You're not doing 2D model. You're doing the model that needs to represent the Earth. Yeah. And so you're having horizontal resolution, and then you're also having vertical. Um, the information that goes into it is the information from the weather station, the temperature, the wind, the uh, whatever information can you, you can get. So there's like a thousand <laughs> factors that are in. And the problem is, on the scale of 100 meters... 100 ki one kilometer, 10 kilometer, and 100 kilometers, there are different things that are important. On this, when, you're, when your model is uh, doing uh, 100 kilometer horizontal resolution, which is quite standard, and which is quite standard because you have 100 kilometer horizontal resolution, but then you also need to have like 40 or 50 levels in the atmosphere, mm. and then you need to do it every hour or every 10 minutes it's just uh, so much data and so much calculation. Climate models have over 100,000 lines of code. There are these really, really, really oh. complicated the, the things. Hmm. And they use a lot of approximations because when... So clouds have microphysics, like the, the 
the uh, droplets. droplets in mm. cloud interact with each other, but you can't put that into a climate model because it's just gonna yeah. the the computers that we have nowadays are not fast enough mm. for proper. I mean, it's also weather ridiculous, modeling. right? Like cloud weighs like hundred tons. Right. And if you account for each droplet, then it just right. But the, but the way that each droplet interacts yeah. is it's what important. it was. Yeah. It's yeah. what yeah. It impacts yeah. the rain in the end. Like but I wonder how do you like you can't factor in. There's obviously like wild cards uh, so too, right? You, you Someone drops a bomb. Scale, or... So you decide on the scale. We have like a lot mm. of approximation. So like these clouds are usually acting in this uh, way mm. on this. Uh, like <coughs> spatial scale, okay. and so if you're doing 100 kilometer scale, you're just not gonna count. You're not gonna yeah. calculate the you, the yeah. the the clouds. You're just gonna approximate them. There's yeah. approximation calculation, okay, and okay. then you're just gonna okay. approximate you, it. It's called like coarse graining, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So like yeah, I got Because so you need something that's gonna actually run, mm. but that's why you also you know there's internal chaos in the atmosphere, which is you no matter how good your model is, you're never gonna be able okay. to do that yeah. because it's just not calculatable. Yeah. Is that even is that I don't know. is that what happens in Korea? There's a lot of chaos because I find the meteorological guys here are as predictable. Uh, no, they're, they're, the, they're as accurate as, as the, mean, the 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 problem with the problem with Korea is that Korea has a lot of mountains and. And they make weather prediction very hard. The topography of Korea makes weather prediction. So for we Korea shouldn't really be hard. frustrated with the meteorologists. No, here. they're 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 actually doing pretty good job. Really? Because <laughs> they're always not always, but compared to when I go to Canada, they can predict the next five days uh, and it happens. Whenever they say like you can base your weekend off what they said. In Korea at eight AM they say it's gonna rain at eleven. Uh, no, it's sunshine. You, yeah, you try. <laughs> How could they but, be so wrong? But, uh, you can uh, try a cor- uh, Canadian model, whatever they're using for prediction on Korea, and it's going to be as bad, just because the Korea's topography is wow. different, and uh, it's just like some places on Earth are easier to predict weather but, than the others. But there was there was it was in the news I think last year, the year before that the government has has to significantly upgrade their modeling technology or something. Oh, yeah, we, we because got new so model. many people were getting so frustrated and and big events and, and festivals and stuff were going we can't even depend on our own meteorological information because it's always there, wrong there was a lot of it was in the, it was in the news last year the year before oh i remember yeah. where i heard about that thing it's a radio you just you you spurred my memory there it was a radio lab podcast and it was about when the meteorological information was originally public or sorry it was originally uh private and people would pay if you're shooting a movie people yeah, yeah, yeah. Top, yeah. top dollar to to know that is it okay to to oh. film yeah in yeah uh, yeah you should i'll, the, I'll find uh, that out so, yeah. so weird <laughs> wow. and then it yeah. became who do you pay a meteorological the, agencies because like that was the yeah, yeah because that was the source of their funding they weren't being funded oh, uh, like by money. The public yeah. money they they needed to make money somehow I'll find the episode that and that's where the the insurance lady was into deadly now I gotta re-listen to that yeah. anyway it's very uh-huh. yeah I, I say it because I just like no Korea also had for a while a problem that um it was some kind of political i i heard about this i'm not 100 sure but there was some kind of problem where the people who were leading korean meteorological agencies uh moved people from one department to another 
And then uh, for a while, people didn't know what they were doing. And so the forecasts that's for a while every, were... That's part of the course. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, forecasts were uh, pre- yeah. quite bad for a while. But uh, they first of all, uh, Korea now has their own model. Guess what they call their model? covid Kim. <laughs> so <laughs> on par. But but their actual weather model is not actually bad. It's actually pretty good now. The one that they're using now is actually. It's funny you guys good, use so. the you know it's on par because I think a lot of the you know probably the higher up guys they call for rain and then they can just book the golf course. <laughs> yeah, I stole that from Larry David, but I think it's very true. I think it's a very true no, thing. but also nice. this this kind of like. Um, Hour by hour predictions and uh, long-term weather predictions are completely different uh, mm. thing. Like I know basics of hour by hour predictions. Um, I had a class in uh, my master's degree where my exam was to go to Croatian National Weather Agency, use their model, use all of the data that they had and predict the weather for the next seven days. That was my exam. Nice. Yeah. I, I did nice, pretty well. Nice. Does nice. does being a peninsula surrounded by water on yeah. three sides, does that play a huge role in maybe the, the weather, not um, patterns, but predictability of it? Uh, that also plays a role. The topography of Korea plays a role. Um, it, it's a lot of different. Like in the middle of Canada, there's nothing from the Rocky Mountains you said to... 100,000. 100,000 factors of yeah, yeah it's like it's so many things so but when i think of korea being surrounded by oceans and the mountains it's a lot more yeah korea is also um like monsoon climate so it's affected by the uh, the change of the winds in the uh, dominant yeah. winds and so so what is what is your role or specific role it, it, you're a member of a team that's yeah, so, trying to do what? So what? you're using you're using the climate models. So yeah, I'm, you're uh, what I'm doing well. is uh, I'm not making models. I'm just analyzing the output of the models. Okay. Uh, so, so what's the? So uh, the 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 point of my research is uh, to um, analyze the uh, possible future changes mm. in the extreme precipitation like are we going to get we, more rain at once are we going to get less rain at once stuff like that are we going to be underwater yearly, on a yearly basis or on a, on a, on a decadal basis a on decadal. like like mm. my my research is like okay so in the last 20 30 years the on average we had this much what are we going to get from 2070 to 2000 so this is going to relate to how many islands go underwater and uh, this no this is more no? this is more about water management because okay. you uh, the general agreement and which is what my research shows as well is that we're going to get on average the same amount of rain but it's all going to fall at once instead of you're not going to get that many days okay. of like uh slow uh, rain you're going to get more and more yeah, like monsoonal m- m- like mm. super heavy rain at once the problem is you can't really use heavy rain for water management because mm. it uh, like mostly uh, flooding it, but they they it, it implemented also causes flooding and then because you get much rain at once you get longer dry periods and stuff like that have you noticed in Korea a change in this since the time you've been here? Because I no, I it's for... been it's been only six years. Nothing that you can notice on the period of five or six years. That's internal variability of the climate. This is not like climate. Mm-hmm. Like for change. me, I don't remember probably any floods the first ten years, maybe. But um, the last six or seven years, like I just remember in Busan, like just a random day. 
boom, buses floating down the street. Huh? What happened? Mm-hmm. And and, and no, Korea, Korea been... always had problems with floods. When you yeah. look, when you look uh, from data from okay. 20, 30 years, mm-hmm. this has been the oh, the thing is like they report on it more. Yeah, uh, co- yeah social media. Uh, like you can't really like it's really hard. Yeah, that that was one of the heaviest rains that Korea had. But this mm-hmm. is not like. You can't really assign these things to climate change unless you have like 50, 60 years mm-hmm. of data and then you analyze like this 30-year period and this 30-year period. There, there's a saying, climate is what you expect, weather is what you get. Because mm-hmm. you, <laughs> th- this winter has been unusually cold, right? Like, not unusually cold, but it's been Colder coldest winter than, than I, yeah. than, since I've been in Korea. Mm. Uh, it's it's not unusually cold actually. It's a little bit colder than average, but it's not that unusually cold when you look at the last 30, 40 year period. Mm-hmm. It's just that the last few winters weren't. Uh, then that winter 2019, 2020 was unusually warm. And this was because there was a there is something called polar vortex yeah. and when it's po- when polar vortex is really strong it keeps the cold air in the arctic mm. and so it doesn't go down and that happened that winter and so you had like extremely warm weather it was oh. not really there is actually research it wasn't really related to in climate canada, change in canada they it's say the polar current. vortex uh, but that makes it way cold. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, when the f- polar vortex is actually a really bit, uh, a little bit weak, mm. then the air from from the polar region can uh, oh, so like meander 50s. down, mm. and then that's when uh, Niagara it's, freezes over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's called the Arctic Oscillation. Actually, I did some research on that. I'm gonna, as well. I'm gonna so, correct the stupid local newspaper at home. So it's, no, no, no. It's it an Arctic. Is, <laughs> it is, it is the Arctic air from the polar oh, vortex, yeah, oh, but okay. uh, it's just like Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah literally, when you when you when you look at the simulation, it literally just goes down. Well, well, and do you do you <laughs> see events happening now or the last few years that you say are are resembling what you're finding in your data? Like, I just think uh, of the floods, I, in, my, the floods my, in Pakistan. Um, my my analysis is mostly focused on the outputs of the model set for the end of the century. So this is. I'm not <laughs> analyzing uh, personally uh, the. the um, Do you so have any the, predictions the, the, for the, Mars? There are two. <laughs> <laughs> You're predicting for the end of the century. Yeah, I'm predicting for the end of the century. And so what we are doing (laughs) with climate modeling is we are not predicting for the next 10 or 20 years with climate models because climate models don't work that way. Mm. They are not good for predicting day-to-day weather that much. Mm. They're good for predicting like long-term trends, but they're not going to be accurate. on And for any climate uh, change... You need to be looking at at least 20 year periods. You can't say like, oh, this year or that year. Mm-hmm. That's not climate. That's still weather. Anything on on a time scale of less than 20 years is not climate. Is there any one factor that could happen that would just totally derail your like a, I keep thinking nuclear bomb. Uh, like with- <laughs> n- n- nuclear bombs and nuclear winter are completely like they're they're out of scope of my uh, minus. But, but I mean, minus that, is there any other maybe naturally occurring? Uh, volcanoes? 
Okay. Volcano eruptions, they uh, they are pretty unpredictable and they mm. do change the weather for at okay. least a few years. Okay. Uh, forest then, fires too, right? Uh, forest fires to some extent, but less than, uh, than uh, Volcano. the volcanoes. Volcanoes, especially when it's big eruptions, like smaller eruptions are not that mm. big problem. But when you have these huge eruptions mm. that uh, put so much ash in the atmosphere, right. it cools down yeah. everything. And so you get like next winter is usually... I heard back to sun is... Is rumbling, isn't it? Oh, why I don't? Uh, up, uh, I did uh, research on volcanoes in my undergrad. Not, <laughs> not, not that it's directly related. I, now I get oh, that yeah. your stuff's about fifty years later. But is this what appears to be more frequent occurrences of these major events? Is this just this social is, media and no, no. we're aware of it? Or I think of Australia. Australia has been and California. Forest fires, floods, forest fire, flood. No, no, no. These are, these are, uh, this is not my personal research, but this is my field. So I do Mm. know about it. These things are getting more common. They're like, we, we have, now we have enough data because we have pretty good data since 80s. We have enough data to say, like, no, this is climate change. This Mm. is change. Mm. Ninety-six or 97, we moved to Winnipeg, Winterpeg. And, I went down to Toronto to play hockey area, and then I went back to Winnipeg, and I got there, and it was the blizzard of the century. And I might have got there in, like, April, maybe. And it was the blizzard of the century. Mm. And then we had the flood of the century. And it seems ever since then, the dang thing of the century has become, like, every yeah. five or ten well, yeah, years. That, that, that and is, it's not the century anymore. It's, like, uh, the last five years. On average, the last summer was the hottest summer you experienced and the coldest summer that you're going to experience for the rest of your life. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Oh, That's saying I you heard, heard it here first. Oh, At exactly yeah. two hours, she drops the bomb. <laughs> Holy Christ. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, Not my thing, but yeah. it was said by Clement Sanders. And uh-huh. that, that's actually, that's actually like on average, mm. like, you know, there's always variation, but on average, the last mm. summer was yeah. the hottest summer of your life. And it's the okay. coldest summer that you're going to experience wow, to the rest of your life. Makes me feel a little bit good about next summer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I better shorten up my shorts. <laughs> you know, um, there's also a problem of climate patterns changing. <laughs> <laughs> the, like I, I just think of so many extreme ones. The, the forest fires in Australia were mind-boggling. Uh, the floods, 2019, 2020 yeah. winter, as I just mentioned, uh, was um, because uh, on average, that winter was seven degrees warmer than uh, in Siberia. Uh, the forest spring fires were so much worse. Oh, we're fucked. The, we're the fucked floods in Pakistan <laughs> just Oh, passed. yeah, that was... It was like worst. 70% of the country was underwater. Yeah. Yeah. 70% of your uh, country. That also has to do with uh, the way they manage their water. Yeah, sure. yeah this is, this is absolutely. But totally screwed up there. Sure, but it's not been like that before. They haven't had it that serious. <laughs> India's it's been had. like ramping up. Uh, yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is the problem. Like... Uh, Scientists have been warning about climate change and about needing to adapt to it because we can't stop it for the last 40 years, 40, 50 years. I think it's been starting around the 80s, 90s Mm. when the first warnings were starting. Um, Politicians and people who are in charge don't listen because adapting to climate change is not immediately economical. 
It's like the type 2 diabetic. In Pakistan, they, <laughs> they, they took like a millennia old river system and then they just like made like grid out of it, like yeah. square and stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. This, is, this is what they do. Like, oh, right now it's like, right yeah, now yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, this is Putting gonna, a band-aid They connected yeah, like and rivers and with each other and it's like and messy. Yeah, and then, and then like it catches up like mm. it's fine until there is an extreme yeah, event yeah. and extreme events happen and you can get like you can get an like earthquake or uh something completely random and unpredictable mm. the droughts the droughts the, mm. the 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 something that's gonna happen in an unpredictable way that was even completely out of the realm of mm. climate prediction yeah you have to count on these things being possibilities. Mm-hmm. And then, you, you know, like, you're thinking like, okay, this is likely to happen one, t- one time in 100 years. Mm-hmm. Is this Weapon. worth actually planning for? If the event is likely to happen one, thousand, one time in 1,000 years, it's probably not worth planning for that because this is such a small chance that it might actually be cheaper to fix it after it happens yeah. than... Prevent, but yeah. if it's like one time in 20 years, then you probably yeah. want to actually make a system yeah. that's going to be able to handle that. Have you seen the movie Don't Look Up? Uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I actually okay. did not. <laughs> yeah. uh, people keep telling me to watch it. Yeah. And I'm just like, I need to be in mood for it. Uh, it's basically like they discover a comet that's going to yeah. hit Earth. In the movie, it's a comet, but you can assume that that's climate change or a pandemic or something that's going to destroy uh, civilization. But in the movie like there's people who are like with the scientists most people just don't care and they just make jokes about it and there's like people who deny that there's even a comet there yeah. <laughs> in the political slogans like don't don't look up don't that's look all up. bullshit yeah <laughs> it's yeah. pretty funny yeah yeah but that that's basically what's happening yeah and then that's like which yeah it changes the policy so much though like in northern india there are cities where like 70 percent of the lakes they just sold it to private people and the people filled it with, filled it with mud and built like apartments on it <laughs> so now there are just no lakes where means 70 like uh, around 70% lakes in like some regions have just disappeared holy man and then you get a problem when there is a lot of rain like groundwater is like stupidly low now and everyone hmm. has water shortage it's like wow they just built I mean within the last 10 years or so, Nate, they built the reservoir by, between our houses, huh? Just on the, that's a big reservoir, isn't it? Yeah, that's, oh, that's into, because that was after the floods, yeah. after Typhoon you know Chaba that? or whatever. Just, yeah, go, yeah. just going into Oktong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After you pass through Mugo, just going into Oktong, there's a huge, looks like a big bathtub. It's a reservoir. <laughs> yeah, it's, a reservoir. it's always empty until we get the typhoon, but that saves a lot of people a lot of money. And I don't know what they did. They they yeah, did the, some the, restructuring in Tewadong because I don't know you. I don't know if you were here. Were you here for Chaba? I think it was Chaba. No, uh, and, and I, I actually think what year was Chaba? I think I was in Korea, but What's Chaba? I want to say twenty typhoon name typhoon. I think I was actually that was during summer, and I think I was actually in Croatia. Mm. Good time. So that Tewa that Tewa side, everything runs down, and then mm. there's like a base in here, and it goes up to the river, so it can't oh, yeah, even yeah, get yeah, to yeah. the river. And that Tewa Shijang was like. 10, 15 feet underwater. And they're like, who planned this? Like, what, what, who, who's in charge of the, the drainage yeah. system here and the water management? So I think they've made corrections. Now we've had a couple of ty- a few t- big typhoons Someone since. 
And I it's think been it was much, much better. They have done like a lot of changes upstream because I used to be able to cross the river near my apartments. There were like actual stones in the river, yeah. mm. but now they are underwater. But the 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 problem going up the the hill there, like the Hyakushin Doshi side, is it's going up not a mountain but a, a hill, and now it's all buildings, mm. and that natural drainage is gone. I mean, that whole thing Hyakushin Doshi is all buildings, so all that water just runs straight down to the to the Tewa Dong area and just submerges it. Uh, my my uh, my lab right now, uh, they were doing actually for Ulsan uh, the. Uh um, assessment of uh, vulnerability of certain areas uh, to the typhoon and the, to, to, to the typhoon oh. flooding because someone actually requested that so they are actually Good. doing something about yeah. it. What What do you think about Where uh, should I buy that? I think it was during the, I want to say 2020 Olympics? 2016 Olympics? The Chinese Summer Olympics. Korea was 2018 was winter. 2016 Beijing? Yeah. The air quality was so Beijing bad. They 2010. Shut... Beijing 2010. Uh, maybe it was 2010 then. Shut down all no, the factories. 2008. I apologize. Shut down the factories, everything, uh, to, to try and clear the air a little bit. And then they they started experimenting with shooting stuff up into the clouds. Ah, uh, um, that is the... the, the do you know anything stuff? with that? Can you talk a little bit about um, it? The shooting stuff up in the clouds is uh, trying to uh, make... Um, they're trying to shoot uh, something that is going to make uh, air droplets form and fall faster. Mm-hmm. That's usually how it works. Cloud seeding uh, is what Yeah, cloud seeding. Thank, thank you for the word. Right. <laughs> I was just like, wait a minute, there was a word for you. Right. Um, research on that is mostly that sometimes it works, most of the times it doesn't. Um, the published research, I don't know. Croatia has been trying to do that for ages and ages with uh, thunderstorms uh, and all of the scientific research on it shows it does not work like on average it does not work sometimes you get lucky and it works but most of the time but you can't say like whether this worked because of it or it just Mm -hmm. you just got lucky there's not statistical significance in Mm, it but people still do it because it makes them feel safer. Yeah. Uh, whether what China is doing, I don't. I don't really know much. It's not clouds are not. You got to check the field. information from those weather balloons they've been sending to America. Uh, <laughs> don't get me started on the weather balloons. <laughs> oh, they're just weather balloons. Yeah, but it's yeah. funny now they recalibrated the the radars and they're finding them every other day now. Oh yeah, they they were they were they were. Uh, I heard about a bit uh, about that because they were um, the, the radar systems were set up to ignore things like this because they just didn't want to deal with trash and balloons and stuff. Mm. Like now they figured well, they out. Oh, the, they didn't want them picking up birds and small enough yeah. stuff, so it was hard to calibrate them. Where, but yeah. India is also in the mix now. Modri's got some problems too. Oh. They had some balloons over the Nicobar okay. Islands and the Andaman Islands and uh-huh. checking out the Indian uh, military bases and stuff. And anyways, that's a big scale. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is is there any artificial uh, way of interfering with weather? Um, is anybody doing anything? Is there any stuff going on anywhere um, in the world about? Not that I know. Not anything effective that I know of. I know China is. Uh, I think China is the only one that's actually working on this because I think most other countries are actually aware that this is probably going to do more damage than good. 
because we don't know what longer term effect is going to have. Like when you shoot this thing in the cloud, okay, and now you get what you want, but what what effect does it have long term? China is uh, China has a bit less regulation on it and China is also quite big so they can do a lot of experience like China could do it Russia could probably do a lot of it but for small countries you can't do it because it's not going to affect just you it's going to affect yeah, right. uh, yeah. neighbors other yeah so huh so what is the I mean you probably won't be around at the turn of the century to find out if your predictions were hey were, what is the what is the dream or what is kind of the end i mean most people are working on stuff like i gotta finish this project by the end of this month and it has an immediate impact you're predicting stuff you know 70 uh, years later the the goal is to just make people aware of what's coming if we don't actually do something about it. Because these predictions that I'm doing uh, are mostly using the worst case scenario. Mm. Is like, this is this for like the next five, ten years? Or like, like, I mean, convince people in the short term, like the next year or six months, hey, get your shit together. Basically, or, uh, hey, basically, watch the movie, the, don't the, look the, up. The, <laughs> long, the long-term goal is to have <laughs> policies get stricter and stricter and stricter. Yeah. And uh, my research is mostly, honestly, research for the purpose of research. Yeah. Uh, just like, hey, this is possibly what's going to happen. It doesn't have any kind of immediate goal. It's just adding to the body of research. Okay. So yeah. the more research there is, I'm hoping that it makes people more aware yeah. that the uh, setup that we have right now for our economy is something that's actually long-term going to hurt everyone. Yeah. And what is the... How much of it is specifically geared towards... Korea vs. a global... Uh, so what target. I'm doing right now is uh, for research focused on East Asia. Okay. It's not just Korea, it's focused on East Asia. So, But some of the research I do, uh, I'm planning to do is going to be focused just on Korea. The, the problem is that with any kind of global warming, you need global policies and you need everyone to agree on something and you Good know how, how, how easy it is to get <laughs> yeah. everything. Like you can't agree on freaking names for things. So like, <laughs> what, is, what is the name of the body of water between Korea and Japan? No. <laughs> how, how, how does it, like, you know, who says, well, this isn't my responsibility. You can do it. Who's, who's, who, Every how do you decide who's going to, like, as I mean, is China, Korea, and Japan all invest in this area? Or is it, okay, you do this, we'll do that, you do this, so that we're more efficient? Uh, or, yeah, yeah. Or, hey, we don't want to spend our money there. You guys do it. We don't care about that. Actually, Korea, Japan, and China are all pretty good about financing science. There are countries that are actually pretty decent with financing science. So there's a lot of like, well, some things are agreed among countries, like uh, there is Asian Geosciences Union, and then they okay. there are conferences and stuff like that. Sometimes there's competition, like who's going to do it faster. Or sometimes it's a, just like agreement. Uh, some projects we work on are government projects. Some projects we work on are private projects. Uh, things uh, get funded from all sides. Mm. So it's just... Cool. But you know. what are like the most uh, significant incentives? Uh, uh, I mean, like as most researchers, of the, uh, most of the these projects are uh, like th there's a lot of projects that are funded by government in Korea. No, but like as a researcher, you must pitch to the government to fund your research, right? Like I'm right. doing this project. Oh, uh, I am like, not the one doing it. So, <laughs> so for uh, biomedical, it's usually oh, we will cure cancer, we will cure Alzheimer's. 
and yeah. even if it's like a very significant step towards it mm. it gets the attention so yeah. how do how do people uh, usually with with climate modeling it's like the the the, the as the models are getting better and better you get better and better information and that is usually pitch you want this because this is the information that's upgrade of the information you had 10 years ago so usually it's like that or there there are like things that are um like uh, um there were some uh, one of the guys in my lab is working on some project for the tourism <coughs> agencies which is showing the differences between uh, uh, how climate change is changing the peak seasons for tourism in different regions and stuff like that. Holy man. That's, is uh, there is there any thought like you're predicting for the turn of the century but I think man in 20 years it'll probably be way better technology and can do that a lot faster. Why is it necessary to start predicting that far ahead? Just now? ask Chat GPT. To, to get to that point, you should. Uh, like it's, someone it's has a, to get it, to the it, technology. It's, it's not. Better, it's right? not just that. It's also because right so, now you just, need to tell policy makers what's going to happen at the end of the century. What's going to happen? In, like the model runs for the whole century. The reason why we are showing what's happening at the end of the century is because that's the most extreme scenario. Mm. Because the longer it goes, the worse it gets. Yeah. So like we, you can, you can choose like a lot of research chooses to focus on two periods, like one around 200 to um, 2050 and one around 2100. So you focus on two different periods in okay. time and you show like, look, the change is going to be way more extreme at the end of the century than it is now. What uh, when I'm uh, doing my research, I want to show like, hey, look at this. You're going to get this much rain at once at the end of the century that you are now if we don't do something about it mm. now. Right. Okay. So it's to act on it now. And so yeah. my sister, she works for a financial consulting company and she works she has been working there for two years. Her expertise is climate modeling for financial institutions. So like she that. predicts what bank interest rates should be given the climate conditions or what insurances should yeah. do if these events happen. Yeah. Right, right now I'm doing mostly research for the purpose of research. So there's not like uh, any like uh, physical goal. Right. But... Uh, the there are things yeah. like that there are things where you do you work for government there are things where you work for private companies when you're assessing the risks because like for example especially uh, precipitation ex extremes they're risk for insurance companies yeah oh, for like sure. if you're if the risk of you getting like 200 millimeters of rain <laughs> in three days yeah. is increasing and it is increasing basically year by year then you have a problem yeah. Oh, you know, and it's also like uh, uh, we know that climate change is happening. We know we can't stop it anymore. We passed the point of no return a while mm. ago. Um, <laughs> but nice. yeah, oh, yeah. Um, also, there is another concept in climate, and this is big one. We think that there are a lot of tipping points. Mm. When it gets to this point, something in climate breaks, basically. Mm. And then no matter what you do, you can't go can't back. Go back yeah. mm. And the problem is sometimes these tipping points is just like, oh, and now it causes a huge positive or negative yeah. feedback mm. that causes a bunch of other problems. And we don't know this. That's the worst thing. Yeah. We don't know what tipping points yeah. are. We don't know. Yeah. We think there was there that the complete melting of ice on Arctic might be one. 
And, you know, models before predicted that, yeah, it's going to happen uh, probably in like 2040, 2050. No, it's predicted to happen in the last fi- next five to ten years. Oh, the, the Arctic ice, there will be winter without ice on Ooh. Arctic in the next five to ten years. Oh, that's why Russia's commissioned seven icebreakers and whatever. The, the, the North northern passage is open and they'll, they'll be shipping oil out of there. Yeah, and the wow. problem oh. the problem is also oh, so that, uh, that will even accelerate it more. <laughs> yeah, but, but they, they well because now there's certain periods where there's openings, but it's going to get long, bigger and bigger. But they mm-hmm. still gonna there's going to be periods in the winter where they still want to get in there and break the ice. It was just talking about whatever I was watching was talking about how America's fallen so far behind when uh, I think Biden uh, canceled Trump's orders for three nuclear icebreakers or something that would open up the North Passage. And Russia's got six of them on order that are being built currently, mm. and they've already developed a whole port in the north of Russia for the North Passage. Russia's a nuclear yeah. icebreaker. Yeah. Right. So, you need that when you go to the bar. Over, overall, is your outlook <laughs> more optimistic or pessimistic? or In, in the whole thing, think, we hear all these things. Humans, I think we humans are extremely adaptable beings. Um What's that so, avatar? We gotta we gotta move well, into the no, water. You know, like, like, well, yeah, but no, you know, like, what I am afraid of is not the climate change in itself. Mm. We technology is advancing extremely fast. That it will probably be possible to adapt to it to a certain extent. What is scaring me is the fact that there's so much inequality in the world that there's gonna be so many climate refugees. There's gonna be. Parts of Pakistan and India are predicted to be unlivable. Yeah. Not that it's going to be hard to live. You literally won't be able to live there by the mm. end of the century because the heat is going to reach the the temperatures that are literally going to kill you if you spend more than three hours outside. Mm. It, you literally, like, it's physically... Possi- if mm. we keep I'm on the it. track that we are on right, right now, mm. those areas are not going to be fit for human life. Mm. Part of Arabian Gulf as well. Mm. It's just not going to be fit for human life because of the heating. Um, South Pacific the problem water. is the, the problem is you're going to... These people need to go somewhere. Mm. Populations living in those areas need to go somewhere. Mm. And the what I am afraid of is that there's going to be just a bunch of wars because people are just going to be fighting over territory mm-hmm. because you need to live somewhere. <clears throat> Rich and uh, uh, like uh, more developed countries, I don't think Europe in itself is going to have that much problems. I don't think North America and uh, Canada is gonna, are going to have that many problems. But uh, in the developing nations, you're going to have a lot of conflict uh, from countries going here and there. And I think that's going to be the worst problem it's, than the climate change. And it sounds itself. like from your analysis, Canada is going to be the best country. <laughs> oh. It's got so much. I, I'm joking, but I'm being serious. It's got so much space. Once the north melts, it's livable. Like right now, what, 90% of Canadian populations within 100 kilometers of the border? The US problem. Border, mm-hmm. As it migrates north, you open up the North Passage. Hey, you can the, bring in as many the refugees problem as, with as that, you want. The problem with that is that the warmer the weather gets, the more extremes you get. Because there's more energy in the atmosphere. Mm. And so you get more cold winters. You get extremely cold winters. Like you got this year. These extremes mm. are not going to... It's called global warming, but it doesn't mean that it's going to mm. get warmer everywhere. You're going to get way more extremely hot days but you're also going to get mm-hmm. way more Higher extremely cold days mm-hmm. and if it's a country so that can, Canada. 
It's been in Europe the last 5 10 years. Uh, these, Europe these also um, Europe also doesn't really have uh, AC that much. Like AC is now becoming a standard but uh, air conditioning is not really a standard in also Europe. Adding like, to the a lot of a lot of <laughs> uh, places in Croatia still don't have like my house doesn't have air conditioning in Croatia and it gets 40 degrees. You just Oh shit. Yes, why? Is it just 40. it's not Korea's 40 degrees. Uh, no, it's it's completely different. I uh, this 40 degrees. Uh, <laughs> this is the this is what I was saying a little bit uh, that it's going to become unlivable in these areas. It's a problem of the combination of heat and humidity. Mm. Because human bodies can uh, uh my research during my PhD was also on the heat stress. Yeah. Human bodies can handle a certain amount of uh, heat if it's dry heat. There's also a certain amount of heat you can tolerate if it's wet heat. But the problem is when you have the combination of humidity uh, and uh, um, the yeah. heat without any wind or without any way for your body to cool down, then you actually get heat strokes. It's not the, the heat hmm. itself. That, because, you know, you have people in the deserts, in Sahara Desert, right. who are, uh, it's like 45 Celsius yeah. there and people live there. It's fine because so it's so even dry. Even my hometown I did it was like 43, yeah. but mm. it's warm, but it's windy. Yeah, yeah so windy and it's warm still and unlivable, dry, but, but it doesn't, like, here 35 feels like horrible <laughs> yeah yeah like uh, i yeah. i walked uh, the, there was a day that was like 39 degrees celsius in croatia and i went outside with a friend and we went uh, doing stuff we were just wearing parasols so we don't mm. get like sunburned and it was hot as hell mm. but we were still doing stuff here i was in seoul in uh, summer 2017 And it was 37 degrees and I just had to sit down on the floor because yeah, it was so windy. There's no wind yeah. here. I've never like felt so weak. Then go. Then it was the same thing. Buddy visiting went up to uh, what's the big uh, one of the big temple or the palaces. We just walked in. It, it was like a massive frying pan. Mm. We, we walked halfway. We're like, okay, we got to go to the convenience <laughs> store. Get in there in the really cold air con for like five minutes. Dude, I was going to pass out. It was it was crazy. Yeah, the no. Boys, the crazy. boys at home were like this one. We went to... Metallica. Well, Metallica. <laughs> Metallica. And, and we were just walking around the stadium. And it happened to be the American Dream Team was there prepping for the summer olympics and i guess it was in beijing so that would have been 20 2008 or 2010 and there was an exhibition game between i don't know another european basketball team and the american all the american legends playing basketball and it was free it was just two teams playing a warm-up game before going over to china and we went in there and i mean it wasn't me there was a couple of other significant uh, people in there that were just dripping wet We got up to leave, and I had a puddle in the bottom of my seat. <laughs> a, a puddle in the bottom of my seat. And these guys were playing basketball in there without air conditioning. And I don't, I don't understand. Why. Just mind-boggling hot. And I lived in Africa for a while, and I've never felt heat like Korea. 
I've never felt it in. No, Korea, Korea, Korea is uh, specifically Korea is one of the more humid places, even in Asia during summer. Like, Korea and Japan yeah. are. It's so oh. unfortunate. We get winds in winter, but no winds in summer. And, and the difference, like there's a monsoon. Climate. In, in a Southeast monsoon. Asia, it's hot a lot, but like lots of yeah, times no, 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 I spent I right. spent a couple of years backpacking Southeast Asia, and what I found a lot during the the hottest times was it's hot as can be, but three to five o'clock. Torrential downpours, mm. Poof, cools everything down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the morning, it's cool. So between maybe like ten or eleven and two or three o'clock, it's pretty hot. But you go for a swim, and then three o'clock, four o'clock, every day. It was like a clock in yeah. Thailand and Philippines, and boom. And then all the dust, all the smells, everything gone. And you're like, wow, it's like a new place. Then tomorrow it just starts again. In in uh, in Croatia, the 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 biggest difference is like. Uh, even if it's 40 during the day, it's going to be 18 during the night. Oh, it's same not, as Canada, yeah. yeah. It's not, it doesn't matter. Like When you get these really bad heat waves, it's a different story. Mm. But most of the summer, you get the really decent nights. And then you, like, there are times when you, when you, the forecast for the day is 35. But when you wake up in the morning, if it's like 7 or 8 a.m., it's going to be like 15. Mm. So you need sweater. to actually, Always. yeah, you yeah, need yeah. to sweater. I used and, to cut grass at the golf courses. And we'd start at 6 a.m. So you'd leave at 5.30 and yeah. it's freezing. Yeah. So at, at 6, you got a sweater. Yeah. And at 7, you're in a long sleeve. And at 8, you're in a t-shirt. And yeah. by 10, you're in a tank top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. in Korea, it's relentless. Totally about 12. Yeah. The nighttime is 36 <laughs> and the daytime is 41. 36 <laughs> is not a, retreat, a reprieve yeah. from the, the heat of the day. Yeah, uh, like the... It's uh, gross. No, it's, it's awful. Like, I like the beginning of Korean summer when you get both nights and days being warm. You mean April? But- <laughs> no, you no, can wait like, up till July. No, like, like when, yeah, when early early June when mm. like nights are like 18, 20 and the days are like 24, 25 yeah. Celsius. Mm. That's like, oh, it's nice now. Mm. Yeah. But then it gets beginning of July and right usually after mon, mon, uh, the monsoon. monsoon Oh my god! Then it's like sweltering hot, mm. and it's so humid, and it's just you so just gross. You just wake up feeling like ah. Oh. Yeah, like I, I can, yeah. I can I live can without like yeah. even, even as hot as it is in Croatia, I can survive without the AC in mm. Korea. I just can't. Yeah, it's calm. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, Lisa, we we shut down production here. Yeah. During during, during the summer, no, gross. you ignore. We painted this wall. It was fucking hot, dude. Yeah. yeah. That was. Well, when did we do this? Is it was pretty late. Oh, it was, oh yeah, During he was on. Though, I don't remember it was raining. Oh man, anyways, all right. What uh, what do you think? Anything else? Anything you yeah. want to? Yeah, I don't know. We're gonna think we cover it all. You have things on. Two and a half hours. Yeah. yeah. Two twenty nine to be exact. We we can just oh, let one, this go. Uh, one last huh? thing. Uh, we <laughs> we hear a lot about uh, breakthroughs in other fields, right? Like yeah. Cancer research has like really progressed. Yeah. Uh, but we don't hear a lot about breakthroughs in climate science. Because it's a div- uh, like climate science keep getting updated and updated and updated and updated, and you get mm. these small steps. Like the climate models right now are the world from climate models 15, 20 years ago. Mm. But you we got there slowly. Like there is not that many things like the oh uh, actually like adding cloud microphysics into models was a huge thing because mm. it uh, like uh, th- there's a new generation of models every five to ten years and there is a lot of updates but it's not like world changing mm. like you're not gonna get world changing uh 
discoveries in this. Mm. Um, one of the huge things that's going on right now is uh, NVIDIA is actually making the digital twin of Earth, and it's going to be freely available to mm. everyone. And so Ooh, I think that's going to that's nice. going to be pretty cool. Yeah. That's a good. Uh, they had a presentation on conference I was in. Open uh, open nice. source. Right, the same yeah, chat yeah, this right? is the Where thing. Most of the models has. right now you can get them. They're not like uh, the problem is most computers can't run them because they're too. Uh, to, yeah, <laughs> you need you need to you, no, you need supercomputer to run them because yeah. you don't have enough memory in, on anything mm. else to run them. But um, like a lot of uh, data, like the data that I'm using for my research, you can download it from online. Mm. The Korea, it's Korean National Project. They set up a website. You can download all of the data and you can play around with yeah, it. Yeah. And I think this is the thing with, that I really like about my field. It's pretty much open source mm. field. Cool. Like you, if you want to do research on your own, go ahead, have nice, fun nice. with it. Like coding, there's so many good manuals mm. around like... Like, you know, like you can't really just like go from nowhere to doing like super, super like uh, high level research, mm. but data is there. You don't need to pay for it. It's just publishing is expensive, but mm. you know, just analyzing data for fun is free. Yeah. free. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Any advice for younger students who are looking to study climate science? Well, you need to like to do it because for any kind of science, it's not extremely high paid job. Like some fields of science uh, are leading into like high paying fields. Climate is not one of them. You, you're going to get a decent job, but it's not going to be a high paying job. And so you need to like what you're doing. You need to be doing it for yourself or you're not going to like it's going to be waste of time. Because if you're doing something just like, oh, I just want to get money, this is not a field. This is not a field for that. You just need to be interested in it. You need to like what you're doing. Because it's a lot of hard work, especially in Korea. It's a lot of hours in lab. It's a lot of hard work to get to the point where you can like actually do your research. And then you don't really get like your... You have to be happy with like, oh, my research is now out there. Like I'm, I'm mm -hmm. doing this. This is, yeah. this is making me fulfilled because yeah. otherwise it's not gonna. It's a, you burn out easy. Yeah. yeah. You, you lose interest in not. Uh, yeah. Most people I know that are actually j just like doing it are just yeah. actually like genuinely curious people. Cool. Enjoy the grind. Yeah. Awesome. I'd like to say, voila. <laughs> Na Tolasku? <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, that yeah. sounds right. actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. nice. Um, anyways, yeah, thank you for coming. Yeah, and, thanks uh, for having me. No problem. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Yeah.